Hello and welcome to the Gossip Stone Podcast, where we cover the Ocarina of Time randomizer. We focus primarily on racing and the competitive scene, as well as various other related topics for the community as a whole. I'm one of your hosts, Emo Soda. Hello. And I'm joined today by two people. One, beloved co-host, Chimpan Reeve. Hello, Emo Soda. Hello. How's it going today? Excellent. It's the uh, middle of E3, so lots of, lots of video game hype. Let's contribute to that a little bit more, shall we? Ooh. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, for me, it's uh, 110 degrees out today, um, and I'm, I'm not going outside, <laughs> to, to, to be fair. Uh, joining us on this episode, uh, we're going to be talking about the Ocarina of Time Randomizer League that's been set up, the official league, uh, and one of the organizers um, joining us today, Yoshi Kion, who's been on the podcast many times. Um both as a host and a guest. Hello, and how are you? Hello, hello. Yeah, lots of bad things. All right. So, last seen in episode 20 in January to discuss the results of the S4 qualifiers. So, how do you feel like uh, everything has kind of been changing in uh, the randomizer world since then? I quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it feels like ages ago that season four happened and actually it was like what a month or two at this point <laughs> it was a while yeah, I think ago. it has been just about two months at this point isn't it yeah around there yeah and we finished an entire season for <laughs> competitive uh randomizer for ocarina of time in about two or three months it's amazing we went into detail about that in the last episode, so make sure you check that out uh, if you want to hear more about that. But um, today, we're going to be talking about the new weekly settings. So going over a little bit about what's been changing in the last few races, uh, as recent as this weekend, um, Saturday and Sunday weeklies for NA and EU. Uh, we're going to be talking about the updates on the various community tournaments, so including multi-worlds, uh, the random settings league, as well as... Uh, anything else going on as well as the league that we're going to be talking about uh, for the official um, Uncle of Time randomizer. So let's get into it. Um, well, first, let's talk about the uh, new weekly settings. Um, Chimp, what's, uh, what's been changing since the last few weeks? Yeah, so, I mean, over the past couple of months or so, I, I know we've briefly discussed it in previous episodes, but not, not super in-depth. Um, I know the race mod team have been trying to tweak the new settings. There was a bit of a uh, a wall of text from Jason um, the other day, just about sort of what they're doing, what they're planning to do, a few more settings that they'd like to change and and play with. Um, one of the recent changes is Scrubs. Um, Scrubs was turned on um, a few weeks back. Um, they're staying on for the time being, but with a few tweaks. So the Dodongo's Cavern Scrubs have been disabled. Ganon's castle scrubs have been disabled, um, and basically to to ensure that those areas are not super powerful. As I think everyone would agree that Dodongo's cavern, especially, is very very uh, powerful with those extra scrubs. Um, and Ganon's castle, which is I think probably the more 
I wouldn't say controversial, um, but maybe the one that people less understand uh, is Ganon's Castle Scrubs turning them off because ultimately Ganon's Castle is not an early game dungeon now that it's on four medallions. So it is quite late. Turning off four checks arbitrarily in a late game dungeon is maybe over the top, but that's the point of this. You know, all of these are trials, all of these are tests to see what works and what fits. Um, and yeah. So this, as, as you say, the first weekend we had uh, four of those scrub changes. So I didn't partake in these weeklies, but I know, did, did, did Emo, did you do any of the weeklies this weekend? Uh, nope, I'm, I'm stuck in the RSL world, man. Yeah, I, same. <laughs> <laughs> dimension, same. So I haven't really, uh, no, I haven't really uh, pretty much avoided the weeklies actually this past weekend so i can't speak too much to the uh the scrubs changes i think i played in one last weekend which had it but um yeah yeah it was it was okay um i don't quite get removing Ganon's castle and the dongos i don't even get removing worst scrub but uh, on this version, you can't get the worst scrub as an always in, to my knowledge. So uh, that's why that's not on anyway. But uh, with, with removing like these very specific areas, like DC, even like the very first uh, few weeklies, just a few weeks back, uh, where scrubs were turned on, like DC had a billion things, right? May 22nd weekly. And then yeah. the very next race had literally nothing, which <laughs> is totally useless. <laughs> So it's, it's it's just very swingy, right? This has kind of been my big question mark with the scrub stuff. Is like, as far as I know, this is the first time anything has been disabled because it was too powerful. You know, we've had Mask of Truth off because it is just arbitrary all dungeons. We had the worst scrub off because it's just terrible to check. But this is the first time it's been because something is too good. And so we'll disable individual checks. And like... Yeah. To me, that's like a really bizarre area to go to. You know, the whole open and closed Deku Tree debate, people going, oh, Deku Tree's too powerful too early. Nobody's gone, you know, oh, we'll just remove the top room of Deku Tree. Those two chests are dead, but the rest of it's open. Like, nobody's going to suggest that as, as an idea. I so guess... I don't understand why it's okay for the scrubs. But I, I'd be fine with it if it was the Jabu one as well. And you could just say dungeon scrubs are off mm -hmm. and just enforce it by disabling all the individual ones. But it feels like this really bizarre area to me now where you you need to like be really active in the community all the time to understand what the settings are. Yeah, I, I guess you could kind of play devil's advocate there and say technically, and this probably wasn't ever the reason given, but you could argue that Deku Tree was closed because open Deku was powerful, right? As so yeah, you, yeah. you could kind of say but that's that, changing a setting. It's not sure. it's the individual it's, it's checks. Cha it's changing yeah. a setting, but it's it's changing a setting to adjust to something being powerful, right? So I I, I, I don't have an issue with the balancing side of things. It's more the the individual checks. It feels yeah. the best comparison I have is in Pokemon, competitive Pokemon. Um there was like a point where one of the abilities speed boost was broken and only one thing was really broken with it. And they were like, well, we could ban Speed Boost, but Blaziken is the bro broken Pokemon. We're going to ban that because that's mm -hmm. the problem. If Scrubs are the problem, remove the Scrubs. I don't see 
it feels like complex bannings are just going to yeah. cause too much confusion to me. I think that's fair. And I think what you have to consider is like, okay, well, they've taken out these eight scrubs, right? And if you've got rid of the four scrubs from Dodongo's Cavern, you've got rid of the four from Ganon's Castle. You've only added one to a dungeon, which is Jabu. Um, so technically all you've done is add, what is it, eight or nine overworld scrubs, right? And one, two, three, four, I'm trying to think of how many of those are directly locked by storms. Is it four? Is it more than uh, four? Three grotto, six scrubs. Six scrubs. So there's six scrubs. So let's say 50% of the new checks added with scrubs going on are now storms locked. So with removing eight of the 20 or so, no, it's probably more than that, but removing eight of the scrubs and leaving just the overworld scrubs means that you've kind of halved the point of turning them on in the first place, right? Like you've, you've taken away scrubs from an overpowered area. And I think that's a fair assessment. I think saying that you've overpowered Tadongo's cavern is fair. Mm-hmm. Majority of the races you'd see with those on, you would probably find more items than Dark Wars Cap. I don't think there's many people that disagree with that. But you've not really buffed anywhere or anything else. All you've done is buff storms, right? As as a song, you've kind of just buffed storms. And I'm not sure if it needed buffing. I think Storms was already a powerful song and already something that you'd chase. And if you saw that on all dungeons, you'd be like, okay, well, I probably need that. And if anything, you've now going into um, going into races like, okay, well, if I see Storms, I have to get it. It's just, it's essential. The chances of not needing Storms now are less and less and less, and it just becomes a way more powerful song. If AD is Storms, you're like, well, that's just, the gamble for not doing that becomes almost arbitrary. Like you're going to the gamble that you need storms because of those extra checks. At least in my opinion. Yeah, I wonder how uh, the weekly crowd would react to dungeon song rewards. What do you think about Badly. that? Badly. <laughs> Badly, because it's the worst setting in the game. I don't, yeah, well, I don't know anybody who's reacted well to it ever. <laughs> name me one person that'd be like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, other than you or Rob. Yeah, all right, all right. All right. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, like kind of weird specific kinds of disabling of checks like this is just a little weird. I, you yeah. just have an on or off for me. I come from like wanting all the RSL weights to be like pretty much 50 50 across the board, no matter what. So, like, that's a lot different than a lot of people um, would would want, really. If, if that makes sense, right? And <laughs> more mm-hmm. purist with that. So, at least for me, like, I'd rather just be on or off. Yeah, that's fair. I'd, I'd agree. Um, like, I, I fully, un- and again, I've already mentioned this, but I fully understand that Adongo's ca- cavern now becomes really powerful, right? But yeah, I just, on. just the justification of uh, turning them off doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. And Yoshi pointed out, for new players, it's 
not ideal having just a list of checks that you don't need to do, which is not super clear. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, we'll see what happens with feedback and stuff, and we'll see what people think about it. I I don't reckon it's going to stay like this. Um, I'd be quite surprised if it did. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Um, I definitely want to jump on a few weeklies and see how it feels um, in the coming weeks, but it is interesting. Yeah, it'd be cool to see where it goes. Um, the other settings here, I mean, Deku's closed. Um, that keeps changing back and forth, kind of. <laughs> yeah, Which, every couple months. To be to to be to be honest with that one, um, and I know Yoshi might disagree with this, which is perfectly fine. Um, I understand the sort of trials around this one, right? Because I know it was off for season four; it was closed, and then they turned it on again during the test, and now they've they've closed it again, right? I understand I... this one a lot more because it does have a massive early game effect. So I can kind of see wanting to try it a few times with a few different settings to sort of see where it lands. I think the thing with Deku Tree is that it's always going to be one of your best locations. Um, no matter when you're doing it, it's always going to be one of the best locations for checks. And the only thing it changes is whether it's an early game location in every seed or whether it's like mid to late game, depending on when your Kakiri sword shows up. And I don't think there's anything to say one is especially better than the other. They're different play styles. Um, you know, we'll obviously we'll talk about the league settings more afterwards, but one of the things in the league settings is that they're very open-ended early so you get a lot of items thrown at you quite quickly and then it's like okay now go look for your last kind of handful of items like the last two to three things that you need for, to finish the seed after you've exhausted your early game and your hints closing deku tree kind of contributes more to that bottleneck style where you get like one or two items and then you follow those to your next one or two items and you kind of chain everything in and that is yeah. just a playstyle difference that is yeah. just going to come down to playstyle for pretty much everyone. Yeah, I mean, as you say, the, the difference there is it goes from having more uh, more available early to having more available late, right? So instead of having six areas to go to straight away, you have four and you get those extra two later, which I know is a, a sort of bone of contention, right? You've got people that would prefer having more open-ended from the start, and as you say, that's what League does quite well. Um, or you've got people that don't want to have nine or ten different areas to immediately think about. I'd equate this, and I'm not sure how, maybe this is emo, uh, you'd know more about this. I'd equate this to Majora's Mask Rando, right? When you start with a Pona song in Majora's Mask, because you always start with a song, your seed goes from, okay, well, I can do these four to five areas to, okay, well, I've now just got, like, Great Bay open, I've now got uh, the graveyard and Akana Canyon open. It just completely busts open the seed right from the get-go. And personally, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I speak to the community. Personally, I prefer seeds which aren't just like, okay, here's all of the world, go for it. Because I think you're more likely to skip an early game check that way and potentially skip an item and it bites you instead of late game, you're, you're, as you say, you're going into item after item, place after place, and then eventually 
late game, you've got maybe three or four areas you're looking for one or two items, and you need to make educated gambles based off that. And Whereas, I think that's the thing for me is like I like the ones where it's very open ended because the, my the, like in my mind there are three areas of gameplay. There's like execution, logic, and then like routing and decision making as three separate things. And I think the more narrow a seed becomes, the more it values execution, which is already, I think, the most important of those three. So I tend to do everything to prioritize the other two and bring them up to that level. So the more that's open, the more your decision making comes into play. Possibly. Um, yeah, I, I'd mostly agree with that, except I would say, like, even with seeds that have, um, you know, less about them in terms of openness, I'd say that execution is still really important because yeah, you yeah. can you can execute great in a in a really linear seed, but you can also still route badly, and you can route the odd one or two check just completely off and miss them and orphan them entirely. So I I do agree for the most part, but I I think oh yeah no I think all three think, are always important. Yeah, it's just a question yeah, of how I, much for each. Yeah, I just I just think I just think that efficient routing is always going to be important regardless of settings. Um, but I do agree with you that execution becomes more important for linear seeds. But you're always good, like even with league settings, say you're going to get linear seeds sometimes, right? Yeah. And some seeds, you, there's nothing you can do about them. The people with the, the best execution are going to win just because that's the way the seed lands. Um, so it's it's a tricky balancing act of you know trying to not sort of buff one type of player, I guess. And I don't think there's any considerations for that. I don't think, you know, the race mod team sit there and be like, okay, well, this week we need to buff execution-based players and we need to nerf uh, routing-based players. I don't think that's how that works, but there's definitely a balance of sort of combining all three of those skills so that it, it feels best for everyone and not full execution or full routing and stuff like that. Yeah, no other changes to the settings now. Um, just S4 base, random spawn, random age, uh, free Zelda, format bridge, as well as S3 hint distribution. I think like one of the bigger things to figure out going forward is probably going to be hint di distribution, at least to, uh, for me. Um, yeah. Just lots of innovations that could be probably made with that. Kind yeah, and see where it goes forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'd also say that for Medallion Bridge, I, I, I think it feels a lot better for a lot of people, but I know there is definitely a subset of players that are just like, just turn it back to six and everything's fine, right? Like, you you get less casino, in air quotes, if you just put it back to six meds. And so I'm, I'm not sure if in the future they're going to maybe just maybe turn that back to six reward bridge or something like that and see how it feels. But I know there is definitely more than a few players that think that fixing the settings are essential. I say fixing, you know, a lot of people enjoy them. But fixing the casino element of what we're trying to eradicate is just going to be as simple as setting the bridge back to six minutes. Has five ever been tested? No, I don't know. I think it's just been, I think open was tested very briefly um, and then it went to two pretty much straight away. And then to four. I don't think five's ever been tested. Um, I think if you're going to go to five, you might as well just go to six, in my opinion. I really like um, the logical implications of the medallion bridges, but yeah, it's definitely something that 
I mean, like, the logic implications don't come up that often anyway, and then the issue is strength three, and yeah. I, I think there's a lot of testing to be done around it, but I definitely understand the problems there. I like the idea of just having four med bridge, just removing Ganon's Bosky completely, just removing the lock, too. Just go for it. Just <laughs> <laughs> cut off the third of the meds, You can just win, yeah. yeah. I think that'd be really cool. You know, president might be a bit wild, but um, <laughs> either so way. So, I guess in terms of in terms of the things that the race mods are looking to change, sort of touched upon earlier, and this this first one is my favorite one, even though I know it's a terrible idea in my opinion. Chess size matches contents. Now, for those that don't know what chess size matches contents is, if you get a small key in a dungeon, it's in a small gilded chest instead of just a regular uh, small chest. A major item is in a large chest, and anything junk uh, is in a small chest. That's what uh, CSMC means. Um, I absolutely adore chess size matches contents as a setting. I love it. And if I was in charge and also the only player ever racing rando, I would have it on every single time. However, I think it's really bad for weeklies, which sounds just doesn't sound like I'd say that at all, but. I think it's very punishing to new players. Yeah. And I think any setting which is punishing to new players is not a setting that is good for weeklies, unfortunately. And I guess yeah, to, I think... to, to explain that, um, health is in small chests, and better players and more experienced players are not going to go into small chests because they don't need the health. Whereas if you're a new player... And you do take hits off Salphos and Lizalphos, Dynalphos, and Keys and whatever it might be that you take damage off. You're going to die more. You're going to lose more time. You're going to want to open more chests. And by default, you're going to lose time over everyone else. And I think that is just it, it, it's way too negative for new players. I think going back to what I was saying earlier with like the execution versus logic versus like decision making thing. CSMC is just like all execution. Like it makes it so, so dominated almost by execution because your execution doesn't even have to be bad to struggle with like four hearts. It just has to be not perfect all the time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mostly get it on RSL too. So yeah, kind of what Yoshi's saying. It's pretty much all <laughs> execution. And for that, it's even more extreme. It's like, oh, okay, I'll be just sitting in this chair for five hours, just going hard on execution the whole time. And I'm just like, uh, with that like background, like thinking of it for like weekly settings, I'm like, no, like you have people that play weeklies that need like breaks every hour, probably. I'm just yeah. guessing. So, like, even forcing them to just sit down for, like, three or four solid hours, to me, just feels, like, bad. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it, I, the, like, that, plus it's the, it's just hard for beginners to, like, wrap their brains around it, kind of, like, like routing questions, like, how, how many chests should I skip? Like, how much health do I actually need? Like, how, many, how much do you want people to really practice execution before... You know, racing randomizer, and I don't, I don't know what the real question to, or the real answer to that question would be, but um, I think you can go either way on it, really. Yeah, like it's a shame because I actually think CSMC fixes some problems. I think mm. where people are bored of doing sort of 
some of the dungeons they don't like doing and they can they have to just do everything anyway in a go mode dungeon right if yeah. shadow or forest for example you see that a chest is small you can skip it and that saves just a little bit of time in those arbitrary areas that you can just you know you 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 don't like doing so forest temple if you see a small chest on the little island you can skip it you can see up and look in the well you can skip that one too you know and there's just areas that shave off tiny bits of time which feel really beneficial and when i play csmc and i see a small chest and i know i don't need to open it i'm like oh good that's 10 seconds or 15 seconds i don't need to waste getting that small chest and it just feels real nice being able to skip extra checks and you know there's certain runes that you can just avoid entirely such as um shadow temple you know the the spinning scythe room where you've got collector silver rupees quick look to the right you see it's a small chest you have you can skip an entire puzzle ice cavern you can skip entire you know don't need to melt any ice if you <laughs> apart from the last room if you, as long as you can uh peek the chest so it's it fixes uh a little bit of time saves and i really enjoy that but i just do not think it's worth it for segregating new players. But I guess a spicy question for for you all. For season five, not weeklies, for season five, would you turn it on? I think there's more of a discussion there, at least. I don't know if I would say yes, but I would definitely consider it. I would say 100% yes. Um, there's it's a, a, sorry, go on. Just a real feel-good setting for a lot of experienced players, and that's who you'll get. You're playing in tournaments. I mean, you'll also have like new players, but they'll have a varied experience. They won't normally have the setting on, so it's kind of a draw to it, right? Mm. Um, you don't really get to race the setting outside of RSL in the multi-world tournament, so I don't know, giving it more avenues, more exposure for it. Maybe more people will come around on it. Um, I don't know. I, I like it. I, I really like it as a setting, so I'm pretty biased. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm always going to say yes. But. I do too, but, I, I yeah. really, but that's kind of the point, right? We right. really like the setting. And sure, me, you know, the pair of us do play a lot of random settings league, admittedly. But we both started with standard you know the the, mm-hmm. the the weeklies and we all three of us have experienced a lot of weekly races and settings and stuff and at least you know me me and yourself email with rsl when csmc is on it's just a really good setting to have on right i think one thing that is especially worth noting though is that it plays so differently in rsl to in standard um i still remember a couple of years back there were tests for csmc along with a couple of other things like open fountain and people were testing closed echo at the time and um it was miserable it was one of the worst settings i had played and in rsl i loved it it was great it you love to see it all the time because it's makes things so much quicker in the overworld and i think that's the biggest thing is like rsl already takes so long that like Having that faster setting that makes things like feel so much more fluid is really nice. But in something like standard, like you're still autopiloting through your dungeons. You just have to change that muscle memory. So mm. your dungeons are still going to be exactly the same every time. It's just a different, exactly the same to what it currently is. Yeah, yeah that's that's fair. I I guess I not counter, I'm not trying not trying to counter you, but like 
in terms of, uh, and I know for the multi-world tournament, uh, it's an example, not, not RSL strictly, there are a couple of settings you can turn on, but me and my team, um, who, you know, I, I, I play with a couple of guys who haven't played Rando in a few years, so a little bit rusty in experience with it, but they love CSMC. You know, they're like, oh man, this is just such a fun setting. And they've never experienced RSL at all. They've only ever played standard. And they're just like, oh, this is this is super cool. Like we can just have a look into GTG and see the maze and know that we don't need to get all the keys and we can just bail early, right? And I think it's, it's something that works really well with some settings and really badly with others. When we were testing it, I remember the discussion first came up. Uh, it must have been just after season two had finished. And at that point, people were testing it with basically the season two settings plus CSMC. Yeah. And in those settings, it was awful. Season two. <laughs> oh, man. That, that was I, won't, I, won't hear bad, I won't hear bad things said about season two settings. <laughs> <laughs> season two. Oh. But yeah, like it's been a couple years since then. Mm-hmm. Things have changed, like attitudes and moods have shifted, playstyles mm-hmm. have shifted, metas have shifted. But I think the more the more complex the settings become, the more interesting I think CSMC becomes. Um, and at the time, at least, it was it was miserable when it was basically standard season two settings plus CSMC. It was just everyone who tried it hated it i think that i think that's a fair comment i think when like when something like small key shuffle is on right you're going to see small chests in the overworld and you know that's a small key so you're going to need to get it and obviously if it, it feels more impactful in in those settings so yeah i think that's fair i think there's i think there's room to try it in standard but i honestly would not promote that as a weekly thing maybe only as like a I don't know, like a bracket change or something, but I know that changing things just for brackets is sort of frowned upon. So maybe CSMC is just not for weeklies or standard as a whole. It might depend what else gets thrown in. If we're looking at scrubs, there's always the chance that some of the stuff gets mixed in and then it might be stuff that it works better with. But Mm. as it stands, I would lean no, I think. Yeah, that's fair. Which takes us on to the next thing that they want to change and adjust. And I know this is very controversial, um, depending on who you ask, is variable medallions and zones. So to explain what that is, um, it's the best way of explaining this. So variable meds means that, let's say it's five, uh, five meds, one stone. It means you need any five of six medallions and any one of three stones right, to get the bridge to scroll. Or, or for any five meds for the bridge, any one stone for the key, however it works. It's basically a mix and match of what dungeons you can and can't do, which can potentially lead to seeds of you can inter- one player could skip shadow, the other player could sp- skip spirit just because they found the right items to, do, to not do those dungeons, right? Um, so the more people that I've asked about this, and honestly, the more I've thought about variable medallions and stones whole, the less it appeals to me. Um, and I know there are a lot of vocal people, vocal opinions that are not in favor of this. But there are also quite a lot of people that are like, yes, this is the future. This is so cool. Um, what, are, what are the thoughts of the pair of you? Um, 
I haven't really tried it overall now, but um, I know that when it was first toyed around with, my initial complaint was similar to what I said with the scrubs, where it's one of those things where you have to go in keeping up with the changes and knowing what the requirements are. Um, but with the information on the pedestal, like I think this is just generally speaking, it's a pretty good change. I think the problem is it it leads to that balancing act again of you know we're already struggling with just medallions, and we're now going to have that whole balancing act again with medallions and stones and dungeons as a whole and mm. everything thrown in. Well, the common complaint I hear about this one is that. Adding variance to what players need to do in a seed is bad and only adds to like the RNG element of the seed, right? So if one person finds a boomerang and they can then suddenly do Jabu, the other person misses the boomerang because it's on a bad check and they find Dins and then can do Shadow, the person that finds the Rang is going to win because they need to do a dungeon which is like, what, seven, eight minutes quicker. Than the other person so they got rewarded for finding an item which was in a slightly worse place than the player that potentially just follows the logic of the seed and fights dims right so is that fair and i'm not i'm not expecting the player of you to answer this but like is is that a fair way of ultimately playing a competitive randomizer my gut instinct says no i i don't think that is but having not tested it enough i don't know how often those scenarios happen to give a valid opinion. Yeah, I've not tested it. My instincts would be no. My instincts would be it will feel bad when you lose to something like that, and it won't feel good if you win because of something like that. Mm. And as much as it might be faster on the whole to have the variable medallions and whatever, or con um, conditions, I guess, it, like, I think that's one of those things that pushes towards faster settings, and that can be great, but then it's a question of, like, what are you sacrificing to do that? And in this yeah. situation, yeah, I think, generally speaking, those matches will feel a lot worse in a competitive environment than what we have now. Mm. I've played quite a bit with the setting, just historically, so uh, the way that DDR has it is, you know, one stone bridge, five med... GCPK, which is fine, but it's better. It works better in hit systems that are strong, and uh, you often skip a lot of items in DDR. So it's pretty low requirements in general, and the hints are more just suggestions, really. <laughs> it, so the a lot of the requirements feel like pretty low considering all of that. Um, but the way that Blitz has it is six reward bridge, which I, I think when you don't split it up between stones and medallions i think that's when you kind of run into the problem that blitz has it's not really a problem though um i i guess with the settings just by themselves i, I think they're fine settings um, but they also have some things turned off they're figuring out uh, a couple other things in terms of kind of balancing settings making things streamlined i mean it's definitely a cool play style and i i, I think i've enjoyed every single uh blitz setting seed that i that i've uh, played but the problem is it's just an entirely different way to play the game so i i think for just like normally normal weekly play it's not gonna work to just say okay you just need any six rewards for the bridge it, it's just 
makes jets just way more likely and if you expect that i think it's fine but i think just like base value just makes it worse for that which i think would be kind of an aggression in in settings kind of like trying to move away from jets as much as possible uh with the each iteration of the season i feel like I guess kind of to follow on from that as well, it kind of depends on what the tournament you're aiming for, what the settings are intending to, intending to do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the league settings are more open-ended with more of a focus on logic and decision-making, and Season 4 felt like it was very much like an experiment. We're going to change up a bunch of stuff and see how it goes. And that's kind of where the weeklies are going at the moment too, is like they're basically the testing grounds to see the next tournament. The Blitz is designed to be a low stakes fairly quick tournament like it isn't designed to be a hundred percent perfect competitive integrity all the time it's designed to be something that you can go in you can play and if you get screwed over it doesn't matter because there'll be another one you know a month down the line yeah um so i think some settings will work really well in blitz that won't work for weeklies that won't work for season tournaments that wouldn't work for league that won't work for you know countless other things and it's just a question of kind of what the aim is with those settings. Yeah, I think with the suggestion of three medallion bridge, three stone Ganon's Bosky, or switch around, you could do three stone bridge and three med GCPK. I think that's also fine. Um, kind of different ways in which that, to frame that. It's more of like a difference between two to four dungeon rewards for the bridge. And then you need like an overall five or six. So I think that's probably the most balance you're going to get. I think something like a four medallion bridge and three stone Gansbosky. I think that's probably the best iteration of that. But again, it's going to take a lot of testing to really nail those numbers down. But I think it's actually a pretty valid approach to the the problem of Ganon's bridge and Ganon's Bosky. Um, rather than just turning Ganon's Bosky off. And you could just have like six med bridge. Just go back to that and just remove Ganon's Bosky entirely again. Like I, I think that'd also be fine, but I think this is a more interesting way to go about it. Rewards a lot of different things in routing and makes it more complex routing-wise, which I think still determines at the end of the game. Um, you know, she's talked about that a little bit on the, this episode of the difference between execution, routing, and what was the other one? <laughs> Uh, logic, reading logic. Logic, well, reading logic. And I, I think it helps uh, buff logic and routing. And, um, I mean, possibly execution. You don't even need that many things, really, in, in some iterations. Like, if you start with a stone versus a medallion, that can be very different depending on if it's three medallion bridge or three stone bridge and vice versa. So, um, I don't know. I think it's definitely something to consider. And I, I think it's a direction we should definitely test, but it's going to take a lot of months. Like, it's going to be like six months down the line. We're saying, okay, how do these many months of tests go? I, I think that's the kind of level that we need to to get to to really consider this. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's something for season five because obviously season five is not going to want to wait six months down the line. But season six, like, this is like a next year kind of a setting. Yeah, yeah it's like, a potential it's... thing to test and feel out for season six, but I don't think there's going to be enough. Uh... Does, I, I, I mean, considering the planning, planning goes into the season like over the summer, right? And we're already in June. Right. So I think 
yeah, it's, it's not going to be not, this year. Gonna we're, we're not going to see this setting this year. But like, yeah. I think it'd be amazing if we saw it next year. Like, it's it'd be great, but it, it would take a lot of testing. Again, like mm-hmm. I said, um, to really make sure that we get this one right, because um, you don't want to you don't want to play with like slightly bad settings or uh, versions of the setting. It just it just it, it's too big of an impact. Yeah, and I guess. Uh finishing up on that point and also moving on to the next one briefly, is part of the reason why Variable Med wasn't tested and used for Season 4 was that the hints for it are not simple. You know, they're making way the hero hints for Variable Medallion Dungeons or Variable uh, Stones, whatever it might be, is very hard because the way the heroes are designed in a sense that in Variable Meds, your way of the heroes can only be a very small pool of things and they need to directly lock other things. They, you can't just get like a Din's way of the hero if that Din's does not lock another item. Um, so it, it, it can't just be a way of the hero just to do shadow, for example, because that's just not the way that those hints work with these setting. So hints might need a big change, and I know you've already mentioned this, Emo, in terms of overall just for... Uh, testing, you know, testing the different hints, but with variable meds, not only do they need different, you know, subtle changes, they they need a big rework for variable medallions, and I think that's going to take a lot of time in itself. But just outside of that, you know, we've also got um, changing, because right now the Season 3 hint distro is on, you can potentially change that to Season 4 a little bit by preventing ZL from being away the hero, which I think should be done. I think that's that should just be a back-end fix, if anything. Um, and the, the sort of last idea, and I'm not sure if either of you two have dabbled in this one, is the sort of last wave of the hero hint that's been mentioned a few times. Um, personally, I quite like it. Um, I've not played it enough, but I think it's an interesting take on wave of the hero, which might benefit late-game needle and haystack issues. Um, but I'm not sure if you two have any thoughts on that one. I haven't played it, I've only really watched it, but um, I'm quite a big fan of that because it it really helps with the logical side of things as well. Like players who are better at reading the logic, if you get something in like, you know, Last Way of the Hero and it's, you know, and then you get a different item in like the center of GTG, that can be really telling because it's so late in the logic that you're like, so okay, nothing's locked behind this, which then like changes that decision making pretty drastically. And yeah. I think that's a really I think it's a really interesting one. I think it would definitely be worth testing for weeklies. For sure. And my just to sort of further like agree with you there, if there's one thing that I really like, and in my idea, the whole point of competitive rando for me is understanding and using and playing the logic of the seeds, right? You understand the logic and you know what you can and can't do. You know where the seed's trying to point you. It's a game, you know? It's a riddle of, okay, which places do I need to go to find my next items? Can I understand what the seed is trying to tell me? Some seeds, you won't have that. It'll just be an absolute clusterfuck and there won't be any logic to, to, Hell to yeah. read. But <laughs> when, when you've got a seed which is really, you know, the way the heroes are obscure and the items you find are obscure and they don't make sense, you're like, all right, well, I need to work this out. I need to think about the logic. I need to work out what this seed is trying to tell me. They are the best seeds, in my opinion. They are my really? favorite seeds yeah. 
I'd agree. When the logic is just a, a, a really weird piece of string that you need to untangle and get into a straight line. Any setting which buffs logic reading, for me, is an absolute must. Because it doesn't buff anything else. It doesn't buff execution, and it doesn't buff rowing. It just buffs logic. And I think that's a really good thing. And how is this... Um... Recent seed of mine, I got Bottle Way of the Hero and Ocarina Go Mode. Ocarina Go Mode. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> um, the, I guess to, to dabble on that one a bit more, the one issue that has been brought up around this one, and it's, it's a strange one because it's something that I've talked about before in the past because it's sort of unrelated to the game itself, but trackers, right? Last way of the hero means that certain somehow in a bizarro world, Solly's tracker gets buffed, which is a really weird thing to say. Because if you've got a tracker which can I clearly identify which checks you found are in logic and which aren't, mm -hmm. you've essentially got a logic reader at that point. Now, I think that tracker shouldn't be legal anyway, and I know there's a, there's a whole different discussion to be had about trackers, but this only buffs that system, and I think that's a problem. I don't, I don't think that we should ever not consider a setting just because of a tracker's existence, but I do think that if there is a way for people to get around having to think around the logic, which, again, you can do now, and I don't like that that tracker exists, um, I, I think that's a problem. Yeah, no, I agree pretty much entirely on that. The, like, I don't like that the tracker exists, but it does, and it does need to be taken into account. And if you've got a setting that basically says you punch in a couple of numbers and it tells you exactly where to go and where not to go, then that setting could just be too powerful. Um, yeah. Because those, um, uh, it, it sucks to balance around that, but the, the simple situation is that is the setting that people are playing in. People are using the tracker and you do need to play around it. Yeah, the fact that you'd be at a disadvantage for not using a certain tracker is terrible. Um, and again, I think is more of a, I, see, I don't want to say that universally is a problem with trackers because if I'm to think of random settings, League, for example, Maraxis's tracker from overworld mapping I think you're at a disadvantage if you use something which isn't as good as that, but is similar. Because just because of the way it, it, it being designed, I think it's really well made, and I think it's easy to understand and easy to use. If you use a tracker that's not as easy to use, you're at a little bit of a disadvantage just because of you know the the, the UI design or whatever it might be. But that isn't an issue with Miraxis's tracker being overpowered. That's an issue with generally how do you create a ui design for a tracker that complicated um whereas this is different this is like this tracker is specifically designed to track logic for you and all other trackers don't do that intentionally because you know you sort of don't need to do that and yeah i i think that that's a, a it's a weird area but i think that tracker in specifically is very problematic yeah i feel like we're just like staring at a just like an open pizza box and we're just staring at this untouched 
like whole pizza and it's like a very thick unhealthy looking pizza and we're like discussing the merits of the nutrition of this pizza right i feel like that's what we're doing right now. i'm just like <laughs> at what point are we just like this pizza's gross dude <laughs> it's just uh i don't know i think with trackers it's really hard to just it's it's hard to enforce anything i'm sure there's there could just be people that use auto trackers, and I just have no idea, right? Um, yeah, for sure. You would just have no idea. Um, well, that's the I, point, right? You can't you'd have people that exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you would have people that still use solely tracker, even if it were banned. So, and you wouldn't. Ha- <laughs> no one would be able to tell. So, like, this is a conversation that I remember has come up before, and it came up with the league, in fact, um, mm-hmm. where people were saying, like, "Oh, can I be in a call with my friends during a race?" And like, obviously, for the divisions with fpa like no you're in the voice channel the end but for the ones that don't have it like in theory yes yes you can and that's like a whole gray area that came up with ladder that's come up with other races before but the point is like you can tell people you're not allowed to be in a call and at that point what are they going to do they're going to mute their audio they're going to redirect their audio and they're still going to be in a call because they find it more fun but it's not going to come through on the stream Like, people are going to find some ways to do these things, and in some way, like, people, we just have to work around that. I hate saying it like that. Like, I hate that that's the way it is. But some people are going to try and game the system, and by basically making it so that the system can't be manipulated like that as much as possible, and in the places where it can, you kind of encourage people to not have to. Yeah, definitely agree there. Is there any other uh, settings you'd want to see in weeklies that we haven't discussed already? I don't think so. Um, I think anything that I might want is already sort of on the list of things to try or has been tried already. Um, I, I, As much as I like certain settings, I don't think they are beneficial for weeklies, really. So I... So I think, not not songs on Dungeon Rewards. No, not songs on Dungeon Rewards. <laughs> that can be buried and thrown into the deepest, darkest hole on earth. I'll I'll uh, keep bringing it back up just to show it. Is this okay? <laughs> Is this cool? <laughs> it's like no, um, no, put it back. But yeah, there's there's nothing else. I think the the weeklies need. So I think that's a, I think that's an important word there. I don't think they need to be too complicated, and I don't think they need to vary too much. Because um, they are supposed to be essentially the most basic way of playing the game uh, in, in any sort of competitive fashion. And I think what is already there is semi-perfect. It's just about balancing. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I guess that. my only view would be similar. Is like the weeklies as an entry point are getting towards the complex side of things. And so maybe something to scale it back, but then you need to put something else in for the competitive players and the competitive edge. So maybe it's just different weeklies. Maybe there's just another set of weeklies is the answer to that. No, man. The splint, the further splintering of the community. <laughs> Let's just splinter <laughs> it further. Let's make this weekly make plus, baby. Five ninety nine subscription. The community has already splintered between competitive and newer players, and I'm just saying you make things for both as opposed to trying to cater to one or the other. And then you have competitive new players and then uh <laughs> move from one to the next. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, no, that's true. That's true. 
Anyway, um, that's a discussion for another time, I feel. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, we can talk about anything, but... <laughs> Some other community tournament updates here, though. Uh, we got the last Blitz tournament that happened in May. This one was a little bit, I wouldn't say rush, but it definitely, uh, it was a Blitz tournament and it happened. <laughs> yeah, I think um, this one was announced very late. <laughs> yeah. I think this started on May 16th, and the first I heard about it was May 15th, right? So I think this one sort of came out of nowhere. But um, yeah, it's... It, it happened. It, the the qualifier was Sunday, May sixteenth. Um, I I don't know who all qualified, but I know that it, that, that that was the date. Uh, last match was May twenty third, so a week later, and Ryu Kane was the grand winner of that one. It's nice to see Ryu Kane win something. I think, um, considering how well they done during season four, I think they they deserve a, some plaudits. And yeah, I think congrats to them on. Um, winning that particular blitz i think uh, i'm not sure if we ever discussed it or if it was in a previous one but i know i think vodzilla won the previous blitz tournament right so um yeah. seeing some new names on on the the, the winner's side of this is a uh, really nice really refreshing yeah a lot of the same people played in this one the, the qualifier itself was about half the size so um most of the people that played in it just qualified um just straight up so yeah uh, greater power discrepancy in terms of skill sets, but I mean, you still saw like some people that don't play as much competitively uh, get pretty far into the single elimination bracket. So I think just for that, that was a really cool like thing to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, just quick tournament. It's cool that it happens in like in a, a full week. So it's uh, yeah. definitely um, a cool, cool yeah. format. Cool format. Yeah, I think I might join the next one. Uh, and the next one is on June 27th. So it's two weeks from today. Um, I guess if it's the first time you're hearing about it, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> it's early, early, early for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, two weeks from today is the next one. Um, I, I have a bit more to say about Blitz um, in general. Um, and I know I mentioned earlier uh, sort of off air that we might be discussing the Blitz tournament in a future episode. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm interested to see how the next one goes. I have a, a bit of a theory about Blitz, which I'll delve into next time. Um, but yeah, two weeks from today, or I guess two weeks from recording. When you're hearing this, it's probably Wednesday, so maybe about 10, 10 to 11 days away. Um, but the uh, next, next tournament that we need to quickly round up is the multi-world tournament. The Swiss round three wrapped up today with the round four matches. Uh, having just released congratulations on your win this this round emo thanks uh it was a cool chill seed um not too much to say about it i think it was hookshot go mode for me and last location on king zora nice so that was cool <laughs> uh so yeah well, my team's 2-1 and we're matched up against a team uh they're called I think always pick 12 MQ. Uh, they're really a strong team. It's Kirox, Barka, and Timmy. So, uh, yikes. <laughs> yikes. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not Richard the Dog. It's not like Snack Bag. It's not like yeah. some actually unbeatable team that we're just like going to play an exhibition against. Um, so I feel like we can beat them. We have to play really well again. But, I mean, we showed that uh, yesterday that we uh, we can do that so good stuff 
Yeah, we are. I won my match with uh, my team on Friday. That was really cool. That was our first win. Nice. Um, nice. We're up against the Aussie boys next. Um, we are uh, the Kujiro boys, so it's boys versus boys. Um, yeah. Which is going to be the hardest through. thing to schedule in the entire world. <laughs> but, we no, that was good. Them. We dumpstered them. Well, there we go. Sign of things to come, then. Uh, yeah, they're, they're it, nice, I felt, nice guys, though. Yeah, for sure. I know uh, Drac and Keshi on that one. Um, but I, I feel weird about this win because I, I, it's not all due to that, but we definitely won somewhat partially due to fire arrow entry on my side. And Ooh. as someone who doesn't like fire arrow entry, but learned it because you sort of have to for this tournament, it <laughs> felt really weird. <laughs> like I did it. I got it first try. It's I useful. found an item in shadow and I was like, Oh, okay. Awesome. And we won by, you know, I, they never finished on the end, but I just felt yeah. really strange. I felt, felt conflicted about winning by fire arrow entry, but um, yeah. You're like happy, uh, happy and sad at the same time. I was over the moon because we got a win, but I was also like, man, I, I feel guilty that I just did fire arrow entry, especially because I don't like it as a say. Does it kind oh, of put an asterisk on your win? Sorry? Does it kind of put an asterisk on your win? No, not really. I think we'd have won no. anyway, ultimately. But it was just... Sure. Uh, it was just no, no, no. Um, you did fire entry and you won. That shows why it's too good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's completely fair. Like, I was speaking to someone yesterday, actually, um, about my thoughts on fire entry. And I'm not going to dwell into this, don't worry. But initially, when this came up, I didn't like fire entry. Like... Years ago, I didn't like it as, as a thing. Now that I've learned it and I understand it, I hate it even more. <laughs> like, I've only increased in my passion for the dislike of fire tree um, because it's too hard and it's ultimately a really horrible thing to have to learn and use. And that's, that's my thoughts on fire energy. Uh, we also have random settings league season three. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but uh, the main season is done now. Uh, it's in a couple days that it closes off. We got a couple late name runners in the in the hat too. Uh, Marco yeah, played async for this week. <laughs> yeah, I finished my ace. I finished my rated async yesterday. Logged on to Twitch and saw Marco running it. I was like, oh, God, he's got two days to find a few more matches. I know. Oh, it's, oh, it's going to be so great if you can just, like, get a couple in. Like, Riley's only one away now. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple other players that are one or two away that are playing. So uh, we have officially more players than last season for the bracket. More than 32 players. Great to see for a double elimination bracket. It's going to be a long tournament. <laughs> for sure. So that'll that'll be really cool to uh, see. We have 39 people opted into brackets currently. So uh, yay! Yeah, and just to sort of use numbers comparison, the last Blitz tournament had less players and have signed up to RSL. So that's a, a really you know a good sign of the popularity of RSL right now. I think it's uh, only growing and becoming more popular. So that's, that's really cool. It's like kind of being seen as like a purer way to play, which makes it's kind of weird to say that, but like for a randomizer specifically, like it's, it's more again, like I kind of, like I mentioned earlier, like it's, 
imagine like everything being equal weights. It's not for for good reason. Some of the bad settings and some of the settings that we just don't include. But um, just kind of just the format itself is just a lot more open ended. So if you're one of the players like um, Yoshi, uh, you mentioned earlier that you really like the open endedness of some of the seeds in League spe uh, specifically, just due to the settings. So I feel like just the format kind of lends itself to that. So if if, you're, if you are that kind of a player, I definitely would recommend checking it out. Um, if my controller hadn't stopped working and Overworld VR wasn't in, I would be playing RSL. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Overall Overworld VR, VR is like the one setting I could not could not stomach i like it's not even that i was especially i was bad at it but that's not the problem the problem is that i just hated it it's misery yeah yeah it, it's tough it's tough um yeah definitely check it out so uh, there'll be lots of restreams i'm sure uh, over the next few weeks of just matches so be really cool to see how it shakes out so i'm in the range of players that could be paired against what the hell is round one so um, I'm definitely looking for as many races in the past few ne next days here to just try and boost my rating to get out of the hell zone. But uh, I, might, I think the other I thing not... I will kind of throw into that is like I didn't opt into the RSL brackets, but I mm -hmm. have watched kind of the tournaments the previous seasons. RSL as a spectator is about as good as this game gets. Because you're constantly learning things, you're constantly seeing like, oh, we've got this setting in play, or like, oh, this grotto leads to this dungeon, and like, yeah. you're, the hot seed like is constantly evolving. I don't think there's a single one where it's gone for the entire seed. Yeah, we've seen seven plus hour races where even in the last hour, you're like, wait, so what does this mean, and why is this here? And yeah, incredible. So I I both completely agree and also slightly disagree with with that because i when i first got into rsl i was watching some of the season one and two stuff i was like man this is amazing to watch but i think my my only issue with watching rsl and this essentially counts for seeds that are like you know the five six hour matches is that a lot of the the, the funnest parts of watching rsl is the first hour and a half right understanding and learning what settings are on realizing oh it's small key shuffle oh it's beable only oh it's this oh it's that once you've sort of watched that initial burst of information and that initial reaction and the highlights and stuff i feel that watching it and i i totally understand because i've spoken to a few people that don't watch it because it just sort of drags like the sort of middle if it is like a five hour six hour seed it can really drag because a lot of it is just slow check after slow check after slow check after slow check and stuff and i guess that's part of playing it as well like playing it and working out early what it, the seed is is amazing fun and that's why i love rsl like uh, so i've got into it for season three i love working out what the settings are but sometimes it can really drag <laughs> yeah I can it's a double it's a double-edged sword have something sure. else to do to the side <laughs> yeah. well my past what six rsl races none of them have been sub five I think something like that. So uh, I guess one technically, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, that I was, one was that? Yeah, that was for the rated async. I can talk about it now. Uh, okay. uh, oh no, you weren't in. You weren't in the trifles hunt one. Never mind. No, fuck that one. <laughs> that one looked awful. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant the one piece. <laughs> the one piece trifles. Oh. Hunt one. 
No, I was mad about that too, by the way. Yeah, for, for those that don't know, there was an RSL race that happened, I think, last weekend or last week or something like that. It was maybe two weeks ago, but um, it was a one-piece Triforce hunt. So that means there are two pieces in the world. <laughs> you have to go find one of them. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, it was a six-minute seed. Zopar won uh, by 30 seconds because he skipped Sword Chest. He started in Kakuri Forest, then went to Lost Woods uh, Entrance, got one way because it was the... Um, uh, uh, which shop Zor- is that? Zor- Bridge, Zor- Zor- Bridge domain. came out in Domain, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it was... Yeah, Domain, Domain. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Yeah, it gets dom- one weight in domain. So then I guess I'm, I'm, I'm already here. I'm just going to do some item checks, I guess. And then did Zora diving, and there it is. It lo and behold. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. they did the next, they did another one. And I think that was like plentiful. And it was like four hours. And oh, that, just such a difference you can have <laughs> among seeds rolled in the same day. Like, just that stark difference. That's why people watch and play. But um, for me, I, I like watching the restreams. I don't like watching personal feeds, like a one player's perspective. Like that's really uninteresting. I think um, just in general, just for I, I prefer playing them. But you know, um, the restreams though, that, that's where it's at for sure uh, for me for RSL. But uh, enough about RSL. Um, DDR tournament qualifiers have also started. Today is the third of eight weeks of qualifiers uh, every Sunday through July 18th. So if you're hearing this, you do have a couple of weeks left um, to qualify. You need to complete at least three of the qualifiers to be eligible for the brackets. Uh, points are rewarded using the system at the same system as RSL and race time, which is true skill. Uh, and it's probably going to be a 16 person bracket. There's a full uh, rules page that you can go look up. I think it's penned in the Discord, the uh, the official Discord, and there's a whole DDR section for the tournament there. You can check it out to learn more. All right. Well, 40 minutes later than I think we planned, but uh, yeah. <laughs> moving on to the main topic of the day uh, is the Ocarina of Time Randomizer League, and something I'm not super involved in so emo slash yoshi if one of you would like to introduce league as a whole and run through the overview um yeah i guess so the general idea for the league is that people are placed into divisions against people of a similar skill level so the idea is there is divisions of five to six players and they're all kind of sorted by skill level so you won't be up against somebody who's like way better or way worse in theory. And you play on the same settings, you race 1v1 against the opponent. So same seed, same settings, all of that. Everybody across the entire league is on the same settings. And you do two races per opponent. So for a division of six players, Each of the other five players you play twice, you'll have 10 games at the end of the season. And then it's three for a win, one for a draw, which we'll get into at some point, I'm sure. (laughs) And um, zero for a loss. And then at the end of the season, the player with the most points gets promoted, player with the fewest points gets relegated. And then there are various tie breaks around that uh, relating to like number of wins 
best finishing time, direct head-to-head records, that kind of thing. Yeah, I know it's um, very much a pyramid, like a, a pyramid, I was going to call it a pyramid scheme, that sounds a lot more nefarious. <laughs> uh, pyramid system and how it works. Yeah. So, so Division 8, for example, has, I think, is it six or seven uh, different... Eight, it eight has, Division yeah, 8. Eight, eight yeah. different t- uh, pools in Division 8, for example. And obviously, it's a lot easier to... Uh, with with so many divisions in 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 division eight, for example, to get promoted and into those higher ones is a lot harder. I, I you know because you depending on the placement and the amount of players you're also competing against, it's uh, you to get up to that sort of hot, top top level is quite difficult. But um, yeah, the, the, one the of the more... reasons for the kind of pyramid structure was the one of the first things we did was like if a new player comes in. You know, like a completely new player who's basically played OOT but has never played Rando. We're probably going to start them in Division Eight. You know, yeah. unless they've got like a speed running background, in which case maybe we look at putting them a little bit higher. But even then, probably only a little. Um, and we're like, some of the players who've joined the community have improved at such a drastic rate. We don't want it to take them like six years to get to the point where they're like, you know, after like half a year, they're completely outclassing everybody in their division. We don't want it then taking years and years before they can compete with people of the right sort of skill level. So the branching structure is kind of to kind of flatten out the lower end so yep. that those people can advance through the ranks a little more quickly. Yep. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think it's the fairest way of doing things. Um, and I know for this season in particular, um, placing people was very difficult for yourself and the rest of the organizers because Ultimately, you've got to place people that might not have played a lot of rando recently. Um, you know, and even if they've not played it recently, they're still very experienced. How do you place someone that's not been doing well lately in races, but has also been doing it for three years? Versus how do you place someone who's been doing well recently, but has only been in the community for like four or five months, right? So I know placements has been uh, a bit of a trial run for this season. I think it's gone really well, by the way. I was going to say... There are a couple um, of exceptions. There's a couple that I'm not thrilled about that I'm sure we'll get onto later. But for the most part, that is the thing I'm the most proud of. And yes. this is that, like, kind of the the admin team, the six of us, were basically in, or you had, like, four or five different calls over the space of a few weeks to start putting people into gr- divisions and groups and whatever. And it went really back and forth on some of those names. Like, there were some particular people where we were like you know there were some players who could have gone anywhere from division one to division six and we were completely back and forth on where they belong and the results that have come in have all almost all been unbelievably close like that is i think the thing that's worked out the best yeah i i agree i think it's been really good seeing the competitiveness of the or pretty much most of the matches that i have been able to see or at least i've seen the results of um, there's been very few like complete washes, uh, with as you say, with a with a couple of exceptions. So that, I think that's been uh, really well made. And props to you and the rest of the team that uh, put all that together. And I guess speaking to the rest of the team and the history of it in general, I know for a lot of people this would have sort of come from nowhere. The, the league in the sort of the main Discord, but in reality, the history of the league is you know it's been going for quite some time in in. Without, not really want to use the word private, but in, in your own Discord, Joshi, I know it's been test run there for a couple of seasons. So 
do you want to just sort of go into the background of where it came from and to sort of a little bit the history of it? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think now. It's probably been about nine months ago. It was like last September that we started looking at it. And it's one of these things that, you know, the, the initial idea for a league actually came up during the Chamber of Sages. It was one of the things I kind of put forward during that, and it kind of got brushed to the side as like, okay, we'll deal with this other stuff first, and then we'll look at something like that. And then it was, well, actually, there's another community working on something similar. We'll see what comes about from that. And that was Ladder. That was the Ladder system that came from that. And so we kind of just like, I kind of just sat on it. It was like, yeah, this, this is good. This works. And then as Ladder kind of fell through, I was looking at it. I was like, there were still those issues of somebody who'd never played in the Ladder, who could be a completely new player, would be paired against somebody who was way way better and i did in fact see a ladder match at one point that was a completely new player getting paired up against i think it was marco <laughs> like, uh, which is terrifying and i was kind of looking at that and was like okay we need we need something in place here because I, the the community fracturing in a few different places and whatever so yeah about nine months ago i spoke to one or two other people um i think initially it was fq and shawnee were the two that I spoke to and kind of pulled them in. I wrote up the rules. The initial rules were written up in, I think, two evenings. I just sat down for like an entire day, wrote up the rules. The next day, got FQ into a call, looked over them, assessed everything, and that was it. Like, two days we'd gone from, here's this idea I want to do, to here's an entire, like, eight, nine-page rules document. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, the initial testing was this thing where it was like, okay, we know the eventual plan is to take it to the main OTR server. How do we get it to the point where it is going to function for that many players? And so we kind of had to test and tweak things and toy around with ideas. That's where Riley got involved, was very much as like the competitive player getting involved, looking over our rules, looking over the settings we were looking at, how we wanted to kind of assess tiebreakers and that kind of thing as a competitive player trying to help balance from that perspective. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, like, as a participant of that, like, I don't really remember the first season <laughs> too much. I remember beating Zeph a lot, but that's about all, <laughs> all I remember. You, uh, you went, I think... Three and O, and then lost your next three, or the other way around. You beat everyone once and lost to everyone once, and I remember you either started three O or O three, and then did the reverse. Mm -hmm. I think I started O three and then three O, um, which turned out to be the best record, I think, uh, in that or, or something like that. Uh, second, second, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, the first test season had. 17 players which you compare that to the what was it 154 signups we had for this one <laughs> uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty difference uh oh, size way. <laughs> yeah we, yeah, did, we did 17 then 21 then 154 great <laughs> so i guess uh, one of the main like focuses probably was making sure that it scales well between the the huge uh numbers increase there was that kind of what you were preparing for as an organizer 
That was where the branching system came in, because initially we didn't have that. That was one that definitely came in as we looked at the scale, because we were like, how on earth do we make this work for this many people? Um, and that was actually one of the pieces that ATZ really looked at. ATZ joined a few of our calls and really helped us kind of streamline things as we went. And that was one of the things that he contributed was like, people are going to really struggle to climb this system. You're going to have to really flatten it out. And then we did like an initial test of that. And then we decided that actually it still wasn't enough and we needed to like condense it more. But yeah, the initial systems were mostly to see how the promotion and relegations played out and how, how the tiebreakers. The first season was very much focused on like the, the base system, like who goes up, who goes down, how do the like head to heads and tiebreakers and everything in the point systems work out. The second season looked more at, okay, now we have promotions and relegations to factor in. We had uh, two people who dropped out, and then we had six people who joined. And then during that season, two people dropped out. So we could test out all of that and how that played around with everything and how that interacted with all the different systems in place. So all of that was tested during the kind of two initial test seasons um, so that we could at least get the kind of basic structure and rules and how we handle the kind of the the, the um, issues how up. we handle the yeah. problems that come up like when they appear during this season um which yeah has been really invaluable because there have been <laughs> there have been a few problems yeah i mean you can't foresee everything right it's uh, unrealistic probably but um, I, I guess, what are the, some of the new issues that came up as, as an organizer for you? Uh, so we did a lot of this is, I, I want to say this in a way that doesn't sound really like insulting, but I, I don't mean this as an attacker to anyone in particular. And I feel like I have to clarify that, which I hate, but one of the, a lot of the preparation that we did was going, okay, what happens if this goes wrong? What happens if this goes wrong? What happens if this goes wrong? And we planned it all out and we wrote it all up exactly as it needed to be for things to not go wrong. And we didn't account for people just not reading that. <laughs> so a lot of what we've been doing is fixing problems that we knew were problems. We're like, it's remarkable how much time we spent trying to account for everything and not accounting for people doing those things anyway. Um, yeah. And that's something that we are kind of taking forwards. One of the things that is in very, very, very early stages, um, by which I mean I'm still talking to somebody about getting a design for it, let alone anything else. One of the things that's planned for potentially next season is a website. So that if people want to edit their matches, they can just go into the website and click a thing to edit their match. And if people need to edit their results, they can just, yeah, you don't have to submit your results into a form. You click what division you're in, you click who you are, you click a drop down to say who your opponent is. So a lot of that will be automated and remove that kind of space for error. Oh, that'd be great just on your side too, right? It just takes a lot yeah. of the work away. It, it frees up a lot of our time to then focus on improving the systems. Yeah. yeah. Makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, I remember just being an, a very big advocate of the the league system in general, just based on how the first two kind of test seasons went. So I've always been pro league, um, pretty much from the get go. Nah, I'm still pro league. <laughs> if, you, if you ask me again, I'm still pro league. I'll always be pro league. It's it's interesting because like I think the test seasons as well, like they weren't that different in terms of the settings, but they feel so drastically different now looking back. Um like From what the we first... were at the time for season three is it was the first iteration. Um, yeah, the first one was like I say, we started on it in September, so it was just before season four, but it was before season four was announced. Mm-hmm. So there was no talk of random age, random spawn, there was no talk of free Zelda, the hints hadn't changed, like none of that. And so we basically took what was season three or like the weekly at the time and did the tricks in logic, which is something that is still in. Um, We looked at a couple of other little things. Start with lens is a big one that I know was incredibly popular, especially with newer players. Um, Because it removes a lot of the issues around like shadow temple and the moving platforms there without leading to really wonky logic in other places. Um, the most of that actually went down really, really well. But then obviously season four happened. And in particular, Free Zelda was one that we we knew we had to include. Like I I don't think it's a stretch to say that that is the single best change that has come to the racing scene in Rando or like since I joined the community at least. Yeah, I agree. Probably ever. I like, it's just the best setting. It's up there. It's definitely no, got to be no one. No one that, wants like, to do cards. No, come on. No, no one. You can't just ask me, you know, what do you want to do cards? Like, no. In, <laughs> Why would I, I want to do that? In my mind, that is on par with like making it so that adult fishing wasn't vanilla. Like, <laughs> yeah, or like second Mantera, second archery game. Like, those um, are just on all the time because we're not maniacs. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like um, anti maniacal setting. But yeah, so we we added Free Zelda. We didn't initially add Random Age, Random Spawn. Uh, we tested with Free Zelda, but with vanilla spawns. That was actually, I think, quite good. But there were definitely some concerns around it, kind of mostly people coming from season four. And Random Age, Random Spawn was ridiculously popular. I've, I've never been the biggest advocate for it, but it's just too popular to ignore. Like, as even, whether I like it or not doesn't matter at this point. So many people did that we knew we had to include it. Um, then we toyed around with, we removed Frogs 2 um, for basically the same reasons Mask of Truth isn't a check. It's like most of the time, it's just AD for one check. Um, so we removed that. Which was okay, but not great. We also did the claim check only, and the combination of the two had such a huge Im- impact on the hints that we knew we needed to change at least one back, uh, which was frogs. We've kept the claim check. That's an interesting one. I'm I'm curious. I'm very curious to hear feedback on that one. But um, a claim check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's good. I don't think the other trade quest items are particularly fun 
Um, they're interesting sometimes, depending on which one you get. I think some of the earlier items we could test out, probably, but they're very much not new fr- new player friendly um, and definitely weird, and they take forever. So I think that's for a lot of reasons why we kind of moved towards this claim check only kind of a meta, uh, just a setting that's on. But I kind of like it. I mean, I, I don't think it the big round hint's really that big of a deal anyway. It's just such a big and long thing when you start with a prescription to claim check. That's kind of the thing there. You have to have it be an always hint. And it's just another always hint at that point. Like it's the, it's like the frog's hint. Like it's almost always dead. It almost never has anything. Even when you have it like a bow or something like there, maybe even a hook shot. Sometimes you even have to get it. So like, why does it need an always hint when it like basically doesn't matter? Um, when you put it to claim check only, it's just as bad as the next like kind of a one-off check can be, and it's it's out of the way. You have to route it in. Like it, it adds a lot of like uh, logical implications. So I think if you have something like Open Deku, like adding this as like just another like item required check, I think it's totally fine. Like it plays out totally fine. Like I don't miss the hint or anything like that. Like it's felt like more of a waste to me yeah and like obviously kind of touched on it earlier but one of the big things with the league was the hints are by changing big goron into a sometimes hint they feel that little bit stronger even if it's only a little and obviously like open deku kind of opens things up quite a lot so the whole point of the league settings was very much it's an open-ended game but we're going to remove a lot of these logic breaks that people are you know, so accustomed to. So you can't just read a hint and have it tell you where to go. It's not... One of the biggest complaints with Season 3, probably the single biggest complaint in Season 3, was everything was autopilot. I did my early game, and then I read my hints, and I went to where the hints told me to go, and then I had one item left, and it was just exploring the world for that one item. One of the things we wanted to do was by adding the tricks into the logic, or putting the tricks... Sorry removing the tricks from the logic again is to basically shake up that hint structure. You can't just go, the hint told me to go to GTG, so I'm going to go to GTG. You kind of have to think of like, okay, summertime is on all dungeons, so maybe now I need to start to consider that my hints aren't quite as valuable as I thought they were. Do I push for the hints or do I just push for like good statistically dense like locations? Um, and it also rewards people who can follow that logic a little bit more because, you know, if you get, I don't know, an early like Kakiri Forest's way of a hero and it's hover boots, but you manage to keep track of the fact that actually logically the hover boots were needed for Dodongo's cavern, then you're not going to go and potentially do everything in shadow when actually it's like but after your go mode question quick question on that one and this is this isn't something i necessarily believe but i want to ask anyway do you feel that the change for the removing those tricks is beneficial to new players if you're essentially making the logic harder to understand i think it is to an extent i don't think initially that was one of the reasons we added it we wanted the league to be very new player friendly, and that actually shifted quite a lot as we moved to the main Discord because 
this again sounds really harsh to say, but generally speaking, the players who are better at the game have been playing for longer. They know their commitment levels. They know they're going to keep playing. The newer players, a lot of the time, are going to come in, try something out, and either improve very quickly or decide it's not for them and drop. So we kind of have to cater to the more experienced runners because that is the vast majority of the players. And that isn't where we started out. We started out catering to new players. That's a lot of why the tricks were initially put back in as part of the, um, oh, sorry, were initially removed. But I do think it makes things easier because people don't need to know those tricks. And at the same time, it's one of those things where, yeah, like, if you know those tricks, but you don't read the logic, that is more difficult. Like, that is going to be harder. At which point the question is, like, is it worse for the new player because they couldn't follow the logic? Or is it still good because they broke the logic but didn't know the implications of it? It's kind of like, I think it's just different. I think that's exactly it. It's like, it's yeah. not better or worse, it's just different. That's good. I think the biggest thing with the tricks is that was the bit, definitely the most controversial thing when we posted the league. That was definitely the first thing. And actually, it's really funny. I remember Zopar asked a question about the tricks and I already had a post written up and ready to go um, because I knew that people were going to ask questions. So I'd already written a response about why the tricks were the way they were. <laughs> so Zopar posts like, hey, just a quick question. Like, why is why is this? change been made clicks away for five seconds comes back and there's a wall of text <laughs> um but yeah we knew that was going to be controversial and the biggest thing i said to basically everyone i think was just play it and see how it feels see how it plays out because honestly like the vast vast majority of the time removing those tricks does not make a difference doesn't change a thing about the way people play or the way they should play. When it does factor in, it rewards the players who know it, and it creates, in some cases, really, really interesting seeds. Um, I know during the second test season, there was one where Song of Time was required because we took away the hammer through rusted wall, uh, hammer rusted switches through walls. And it was because you needed to play Song of Time for the highest Goron. But the highest Goron wasn't anything, and it wasn't the key logic, but it's because you didn't have a way to Volvagia other than climbing the Song of Time block. So that actually would have been Way of the Hero, even if the tricks were included. But it raised the question, because the tricks were removed, that people spent ages trying to figure out this puzzle of like, okay, so why Song of Time Way of the Hero? Highest Goron wasn't anything, and like the keys worked out, but then... Is it because they, you somehow need to get to this and do this? And eventually they figured out it was because you needed to climb the Song of Time block to get to Volvagia. Pretty funny. <laughs> That's something you usually see. It's like something you would expect out of RSL or something. Yeah. Probably just caught people off guard. So like kind of moving it to the main OTR Discord, how did we have to like kind of scale it to this large number of participants? Like how many did you say? Uh... We Sign got 154. 154. Yeah. Um, obviously, a few of those have dropped now, but yeah, initial signups was 154. Um, most of it was kind of handled with the branching structure. As soon as we, you know, we said we were moving it over, 
Um, we had a long conversation with ATZ initially. So at this time, it was the four of us just from like the test seasons. It was me, FQ, Shawnee, and Riley. And we spoke with ATZ for a bit. Um, and he was very instrumental in also helping us get Kirox and Zeph involved, who have been so, so like helpful to have around uh, like with everything. If nothing else, having French rules translations is such a big deal for any community event now. Um, oh, yeah. Like, it, it feels really great organizing that. Sorry, tangent. It feels really great in the organization side of things because everybody, it feels like, has distinct roles in everything. Um, and those two just came in and immediately just took to what basically they were told, like, hey, we need somebody who can do this. And that was it. It was, they, they took up those roles almost immediately. And it's kind of carried through from there really effectively. Um, so when we were talking with ATZ and getting his input on it, he mentioned the branching structure and we, he said like, how many players are you expecting? And we were like, it could be anywhere from like 80 to 180. We have no idea, but we're going to try and make a structure that works around any of those. And so initially we looked at kind of, you know, just, okay, here's a branching structure for, I think I just picked the most awkward number I could, which was 137. Um, and I went, how would it work out if we had one, three, seven players? And I made a structure for that, which is actually the one, the diagram on the rules document that shows the structure of the divisions is from when it was one, three, seven. That was from our test like conversation. Um, that then we went, okay, what happens if it's like 170, where do we add people? And we looked at, you know, can we just scale this up to work for that number? We're like, okay, what if it's like 75? How do we scale it down? And we went, okay, remove this, structure it to that many players. And once we realized we could do like those kind of three distinct points, it was like, okay, we can scale this for pretty much anything in between. Um, which is mostly just adding and removing divisions changing the number of branches, changing how early or late different areas branched. Um, so do you it, think that was easier or harder than placing uh, players in their like divisions via skill, like based on skill? Was that easier or harder than that? Or they the, their figuring out the branching structure was really easy. It actually worked out to be really, really easy. Um, like I say, so once we got so like with 137 as a starting point, it's like, okay, round up to the nearest six, which was 138. So like, okay, 138 divided by six. Um, I just went to say 63 and it definitely is not 63. <laughs> it's a 23. <laughs> um, we're like, okay, 23 divisions. So we're like, so we know immediately we need an odd number at the top. So either one and then a branch or one, two, three, and then a branch, or else we're not going to get to 23. And I'm like, okay. So then we can go one, two, three, that puts us at 20 remaining. We're like, okay, two more, two, two sets of two, that puts us at 16 divisions remaining. Four, four, eight, that's 16, done. And that was literally it. Like, that was the structure. It was just, how many divisions do we need? Okay, work out how it, unfolds and then just adjust from there 
if if we go up a division, then one of those ones becomes a two. And by which I mean like, so where right now, for example, there's three A and three B. If we'd had one fewer division, that would just be three. And everything else would be restructured around that. And that was like where we started with figuring out the numbers. Okay. Whereas placing players was a was an intense conversation. I I, you know, I mentioned earlier it was like, you know, four or five different Discord calls between the six of us kind of going through and placing people. And we also actually dragged ATZ in for a few of um a few specific conversations there. But um placing players was intense. We we basically ended up going through uh, a few different checkpoints almost, like while the signups were open, but before they'd closed, and basically ordered players in like in order from top to bottom and i don't want to name names but there is one particular player i can think of off the top of my head where that conversation alone took maybe 15 to 20 minutes oh wow like <laughs> there was some that were really fast you know if we open up race to, like they've linked their race time account we open it up there are zero games it's like okay they're they're somewhere near the bottom like, you know, oh, they've played like two races and kind of done okay in both, but they've only done two races. They're probably kind of near the bottom. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that yeah, all six of us are pretty active in the community. We've seen most of these players race, so we can go back and forth on it. Um, the harder ones were people who either were very new and performing well or were returning players who hadn't played for a long time. Those were definitely the hardest ones. So some important dates for Season 1 uh, for the league here. We got the start. It was one month ago, May 12th. And we're nearing the halfway point. Uh, it's two weeks from today. And what kind of happens at the halfway point here? Uh, so halfway through, players are expected to have half their games done. Um, most people are on track for that, thankfully. Um, there's a couple that we very much need to chase up or, um, who, you know, we've had messages basically saying, yeah, nobody can get hold of this person or whatever. Um, but for the most part, people are pretty on top of their games. Anyone who doesn't have half their games done by that point will basically be given, like, strikes. So if you, if they're meant to have five games done by the halfway point, which is the majority of players, and they get to that stage at four, then they'll get one strike. And that will carry through every season until they finish half a season with no strikes. So if somebody picks up three strikes, they're basically dropped. At that point, it's like you're not committed enough to this system basically it's like i appreciate that people want to race this is a system that's going to take a lot of dedication and a lot of time to work and that's why there are very lenient deadlines but we're also very harsh about enforcing them um so yeah if if somebody racks up those strikes and consistently isn't able to get their games done then they're basically kicked from the system and can rejoin. You know, they anyone who drops or is kicked skips a season and then can join back from the one after that. Um, but yeah, like I say, honestly, for most people, 
not a concern. Most people, are, if honestly, a good number of people are already at half of their games played. Yeah, we've seen league matches happen pretty much every single day since the league starts, which has been amazing. It's been great. Um, really gives me something to do at work. Uh, so I can just I just watch matches every day. <laughs> so it's just uh, it's great to see so much activity and it's one v one racing. There's gonna be a lot more competitive experience in the community uh, in general now. So. I'm looking forward to kind of like uh, the fruits of that. Like, what, what's gonna what's gonna happen to the next tournament? Like in season five, like how many new names are gonna be in there as a result of this? Uh, I think that's definitely something to, to consider here. Um, but you know, the community response to the league matches itself has also been very energetic. Um, a lot of restreams have been happening over. You know, Zelda speedruns, Silver Gauntlets, uh, Yoshi, you've done a couple, I know, um, as well as some of the other French restreams. I think every single one of my matches has been restreamed, except the last one um, by the French. So that's been great to see. Um, and that's all organized by Menno, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, with a coordinated layout and a designed logo that anybody can use. So um, that's also available. You can check that out on the main Discord uh, in the League channels forgot the name yeah, of the... in the league announcements channel yeah as well as some like portuguese uh restreams i haven't seen any of those but apparently there are some on zelda rando brazil um i actually very early in the league got a message from one of the people behind them and just basically saying like hey would you be okay if we restreamed the league matches for the brazilian players and i think they have picked up every single one unless it clashes with another one. Oh, Anytime wow. there is a time slot where one of the Brazilian players is playing, they are restreaming it. No, that's great. Um, I've been really, really impressed as well. I, was, I wanted to say the, the French side of things. I it, it probably goes without saying, looking at the league thing, that like my biggest motivation in kind of everything in OTR at this point is the community side of things. And... One of the things that's like, I love the, I hated the fact that like the community started to splinter and I love the fact that like the community is kind of starting to pull together again and kind of support each other more. Um, whereas it felt like there were a lot of points where it was very much like everybody's kind of in it for themselves. The French community in particular, like seeing the work they've done on the restreams has highlighted that too, like in terms of like the, the strength of like the community as one. The French restreams have just showed up on that so, so much. Like the amount of work that every single person is putting in and like props to Menno for organizing all of that. Cause I've seen the sheets they're using and I've obviously gone back and forth with Menno a few times about, oh, how can we coordinate these things? How can this be easier for you? Like there are a couple of times that we did something and Menno was like, Hey, that breaks our sheet. Can you not? Oh, can you? Can we figure out a different way to like? When we edited the times, it was like we edited times on the sheet at first. When people submit the wrong time, they'd say, "Oh, can we change this?" And we go, "Yeah, no problem. We'll go and edit it." And it completely broke the French restream sheet. Or well, not broke it, but it it didn't update who was available and who wasn't. Right. And it didn't alert them to the fact that it had changed. So we like had to figure out a different method around that. And like, there's a reason there's a cancelled 
tick box for all of the races because deleting a row broke so many things. Um, so much of the kind of coordination between all of the different communities I've loved seeing. And I honestly, I wish there was more of that. And I hope there will be going forward to this. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's kind of something that we've hoped to try and uh, achieve with Random Settings League as well. It's just like getting that out there, getting the more in, uh, interest in the community and kind of pulling it together just for like some bigger projects like this. So Related... Um, Related to both League and RSL, actually, one side tangent that I want to quickly rant about. We created a League results channel on the assumption that there wouldn't be as many restreams as there have been. But nobody has used it. It's <laughs> There's been maybe, I think, three conversations in there. And like that was very much inspired by RSL. The RSL results channel during a race would blow up and it was amazing it was one of the best things i've been part of in this community just seeing kind of people from all backgrounds and all styles coming together to kind of basically be chat in discord i guess yeah. to sort of chime in on that one um there was something in over in the, the silver gorners discord there was basically a, a the same channel the, the results channel where the exact same thing would happen. People would gather up and watch the restreams and they'd all talk about what was going on and people would lose their shit. And then there was a period of time where certain races didn't enjoy people criticizing them in a results channel as they were racing. And there was a bit of a negative stigma towards people like overreacting and going over the top and calling people out in a results channel whilst they were racing and then they'd go back and read it and be like, well, this isn't fair. And you, you know, you shouldn't be criticizing people whilst they race. So I think that put a bit of a negative stigma on sort of live in Discord commentary to a yeah. certain degree. And I, I can, think I can that definitely, has definitely, yeah. I think it's stuck around um, RSL unaffected somewhat because a lot of the players in RSL aren't a lot of, you know, are very separated to those that would have been in those channels in the first place um yeah but i know that that definitely had a massive impact and even even now like in the silver corners that no one uses the channel anymore to, to to do that sort of thing and i think it had a fairly large community-wide impact on how people see those channels and how they how they use them yeah which is a shame i, I can um, see that i, I think when say. yeah i think when they are used Responsibly. Kind of yeah, I was going to say properly, but that's like, that's kind of like a washy statement. Yeah. Like when they are used in a way that is kind of like commentary almost, like, uh, oh wow, this person found this. And it's very kind of like, it's more reaction than anything else. Then I think it's really good. When it gets to the point of, yeah, criticisms and being like, people in this community, myself included, can be very overly harsh and, like, a first glance. And I think, yeah, as long as people are aware of that and try not to do that, then it's good, but it's whether that can be kept in check. But, yeah, the I can see that. biggest thing is for, like, uh, moderators, uh, they have to read so many more things and moderate yeah. all the messages. So, like, <laughs> for them, like, as long as you like it, then that's great, but it's a lot more work and... um. 
that's, I, I guess as problems come up, I feel like they get taken care of pretty well. So like I'm looking forward to the next uh, RSL season. And I the guess the middle channel, ground yeah. on the results channel, the middle ground would be I'd like to see people at least go in after a race has finished and comment on the race that just happened and just like mm-hmm. spoil like this race spoiler tags post. Well, the thing, the, the the issue with that is like because they are one v ones, a lot of that is just going to take place in the race time, right? Oh so, no, I mean like spectators. There's so many oh, I've got yeah. I've wanted to go in and comment on, but I'm like, is it really awkward if I'm the organizer and I'm just like every post? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was a side rant related to the RSL comparison. Oh yeah, yeah. I think for RSL too, it's just like. We play each other more frequently, I feel like, between players. So uh, if you have something like a standard results channel, it's very different. Uh, League results channel, you don't necessarily have any history with the other players. Um, It's a lot wider of an audience, too. So I think you're going to run into more problems there in general uh, than like a specified like kind of community like RSL or even just like League. so how how are things going so far? Um, just overall, I mean, I've I've really liked the the league. I'm still pro league, uh, like I said. Um, I don't know how you t- how you two have uh, kind of processed the league uh, season one here for the official settings. I mean, league settings probably goes without saying that I've kind of got a very, I guess, focused view of things. Like I'm not seeing a lot of the things that a lot of spectators and kind of onlookers will see. But um, we haven't heard that much feedback since the league has started, because I guess people are just busy getting their games played. Um, The things that we have got, we've kind of taken into account, you know, there's a lot of talk of uh, structuring things or how to kind of organize more effectively. And a lot of that is stuff that we're trying to basically manage for this season. Um, you know, there was a big thing recently. The volunteers pool is struggling, to say the least. Um, and that is... So one of the things I have vaguely heard about is that people aren't happy that the FPA is so kind of narrow, I guess. Like, they want it to be across more of the league. And at the same time, we now have, so we've had the form, we've added the first kind of couple of people who filled that in, and we got up to 37 volunteers with that. It was 34 initially, we added three. And out of all of those, I'd say we're probably just over, like, we're just into double digits that have picked up a race. So about a third of the volunteer signups have signed up to, to monitor a race. And so one of the biggest problems right now is like we we specifically made it so that it was kind of quite lenient in the early season because we were like we can test the engagement and we're still struggling. Um big, big so part we were, of that too is just the other things that are going on in the community too is like the multi-world tournament that in itself requires a lot of uh, volunteer power. Um RSL is going to start soon which is a lot more kind of grassroots kind of oriented, right? So you're not going to really need that for the early stages of that. Um, I guess just the, thing I would say with, or... the thing I would oh, yeah. say with the volunteering in the league is like, I think people have this misconception that it's going to be really, really difficult and they see it as 
all of the organization and setup and structuring and constantly being aware of everything and you know oh if somebody starts cheating i have to go in and do this and yeah. you're talking like the top 24 players in the league none of them are going to start cheating <laughs> they're just not going to do yeah. it well, if, um, and if it, if it gets i mean it's kind of weird conversation to go into but like even if they were we don't deal with that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like yeah, even if you, they were you flag it up you let us know and we'll pass it on to the relevant people um and you move on like that's it's like you basically the requirements to be a race monitor 99 percent of the time are you open up a race room and we've got instructions on like what the title should be and how to generate the scene and everything and all of that you open the race room you generate the seeds you post it at the right time and then you just watch both of their streams with their chats open and that's it that's usually everything one in every god knows how many races there'll be an fpa call someone will crash or something will break and you'll have to jump into the call say to them okay what's the problem acknowledge that it's like actually a tech issue or whatever and then go into the tell them ask them like check the timer in race time when you jump in go in ask them what the issue is go to the other person tell them to pause count the race time like check the timer difference between when they paused and then make sure they start that difference apart again when they're ready and that's that's it and i feel like that's the biggest hindrance in terms of volunteering is that there are a lot of people who have the time and want to help and are like, but what if it goes wrong? If people are still worried that things are going to go wrong, message in the volunteer channel asking if somebody can be around to kind of backseat it. Because there's a lot of times that I'll be around watching these races, but I've spent the whole day working on other stuff for the league and I'm like exhausted. I don't want to be solely and i want to be i don't want to be solely in charge of these things and i don't want to be jumping into calls to handle them when i'm like burned out there's a lot of times where another volunteer will be like oh i'm meant to be doing this thing between these times and it means that like oh the race goes to three hours i can't do it but they'll be there for the first three hours so they can help backseat that kind of thing like people are happy to help out in some of these cases we just need people to to ask and to sign up. Yeah, there's been a lot of races during uh, scheduled during the week, um, just because we've seen a lot of other um, kind of things happen over the weekends. Uh, maybe they want to play the weeklies too, uh, just for practice. So um, for me, it's always just been availability. Uh, I recently, uh, as of last week, I did one. I race modded one race. Uh, I think it was a three A match between. I don't remember who it was, but. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't I remember. But yeah, either way, like it's basically as you said. Like I opened the room, I was like, "Hey, dudes, like, <laughs> how's it going?" Um, and just you make a seed. They had to play my seed. I mean, there's there's satisfaction people in just that. just yeah. that. Yeah, people <laughs> love that. It's awesome. Blame me. I mean, and, I, and for me, I don't know. It's I I kind of want things to go wrong. I want to do like FPA, like things like that like i that's interesting to me like it, just handling all of that so I'm, I'm not like scared by that necessarily but that's like the most complicated if anything uh part about it but other than that it's like it's great if you're just gonna watch the match anyway it's like 
you do a couple of extra things, but really nothing changes. You just still watch the race. Like it's about two or three hours of your time. And for a lot of these, uh, especially in the upper divisions, they're pretty fast. So it's going to be sub three all out of the time uh, from what I've seen. So I don't even think like a time, a specific like time um, commitment necessarily is uh, necessarily an issue here. Especially if it's like only for the first uh, first few divisions that we even have FBA available uh, that need race monitors in general. So, yeah, unless we get like a huge number, like commit to more or have it more evenly spread, have the volunteer pool just be even bigger. Like, I don't see the FBA being expanded really um, to the like kind of the lower divisions. It's just probably not feasible. But I think like how it is right now, like even if it like got cut back a little bit, I, I still like having it just be a thing. I, I think is better than not. And I guess my very cynical side note on all of this is that from what I've heard, a lot of the people who have complained about the lack of FPA are also not volunteering to help yeah. with the FPA. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you've got to pick one. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. Come on. I mean, in regards to that, and- some other things, sure, you can have both ways, but <laughs> yeah. All right, so well, I'm a little bit uh, <laughs> division eight. I don't think I've seen anything in division eight, so I'm just I feel like I'm waiting in uh, alien territory here as we dive into the division coverage. How each of these divisions are going to be kind of going we're just going to go through them uh, fairly quickly and just kind of say where exactly uh, they are in terms of uh, status kind of status report <laughs> um yeah let's uh let's just dive into it here division 8a um do you know any of these names yeah no i i've watched far too many of the league races i think i've watched at least one race from every division at this point okay um, and I know a few of the people scattered around. Division AA is the closest to being complete, kind of helped along by the fact that two people dropped out, so it's basically a division of four. Um, but they only have five games left. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and they're they're, they're uh, getting towards the end there, and current leader is the other Nate. Not Nate, the other Nate. And he's 7-1. Uh, with two matches remaining, looks pretty good. As has the most points. Uh, Ivan Nero is one win behind, with one fewer game played, and they're one and one against each other. Uh, though the other Nate has the advantage on time. So uh, Huff Puff is also one win behind. Awesome name, by the way. Huff Puff Elite um, is their name, and still has one match against the other Nates left to play. Uh, the other Nate won the first match and also has the time advantage in the event of a tie. So looking pretty good for him. Um, so up to like uh, one or two people there that could probably win. Um, on to Division 8B. Man. 8B I'm going to be like one... this for a, a while where I just don't know any of these names. <laughs> I've maybe uh, seen them once or you twice. May, I imagine you know a couple in 8B. <laughs> so... Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 I know a couple. I know a couple. <laughs> um, so, this one's actually an interesting one for us because this was. So, Lost and Sharky have both been playing for a long, long time. Um, 
but they're both players who I, I don't want to I don't want to say anything harsh I'm not going to like they are both players who are not focused on being like hyper competitive and they are both players who don't have those results and there are a lot of players who were established names who are on that bubble between seven and eight and i think the way it actually played out was we had like i think 15 of them in division eight and so we kind of split them across the division so there will basically be in every division eight two seeded players effectively um which i don't think division eight knew before this but now they do um but we found out not long after that that Ramond is actually like pretty big in Link to the Past. And there are a lot of players across this entire league who are like big names in other randos. And so we're like, that is going to convert to like the logic and the decision making skills, but it won't help the execution. And so it's a question of how their practice goes, how much they're still playing. I know Ramond is also in the multi world tournament. So. I Coming out on top so far, and I can't say I'm surprised given what I've seen. Currently 4-0 with six matches remaining. Um, a lot of the players haven't played each other yet, so division could go a lot of different ways. But uh, yeah, Ramon's currently leading. Division 8C. A couple of these names as well. Um, Jason Arulani, currently undefeated. Current leader four and zero with also six matches remaining. It's about like uh, as many matches as played as the eight B looks like. Uh, pretty similar in terms of how it's laid out here and how it's gone for them. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and that one as well is like Jason currently has the best time in the division, and the one person that Jason hasn't played yet has picked up a loss elsewhere. So it's like, it's looking likely that Jason's going to take that one, but there's still one game left against everyone at least. So yeah, definitely ways that that one can change. And just for some perspective here, uh, just like the times that we're looking at for these divisions, uh, like sub three is like considered very good. Um, so that's kind of in the range of times that we're seeing here in Division 8. Um, and that would be like a good time among the matches that you have in this division too. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, the vast majority of division eight players are between three and four hours for their best time. Um, about right. Jason having a sub three is like kind of clear above most of the players across the whole of division eight. Yeah, it's a good starting point too. Uh, moving on to division eight D. Uh, there is leader Rafa, 5-1 with four matches remaining. Rafa and Chuckles are tied at five wins apiece. Chuckles 5-0-1. Great name. Um, yeah, and they, they've gone 1-1 against each other as well, so there's a lot to play for there because the head-to-head -head record won't come into play. Um, Rafa's currently ahead on best time and has a game in hand so there's some room for flexibility there but um i think the one to watch out for there is i i don't know if it's bossage or i guess bossage um who's currently four and one 
but has played five games as opposed to the six or seven that Rafa and Chuckles have played. So a lot that could definitely swing on that one still. All right, Division 8E. Uh, we got... Ooh, Pepe Argento. <laughs> Long man. Yeah, I love that guy. Um... AE is incredible for so many reasons. Like, firstly, the first division where everyone played everyone. Like, there was a drop, so there are five other players, but they all played everyone. Like, they've all played each other. Oh, wow. Like, okay. super quickly. Um, but also, it's the division with the draw. And I love this. Oh, wow. This yeah. was one of the league technicalities that kind of came up during early discussions where we were like, how close does a match have to be that we consider it a draw? And we're like, you, normally in a head-to-head, -head you can't have a draw, right? Like, if you're, if you're talking in a, like most OCR tournaments, it's like a bracket. You, you can't have a tie. But we were like, there's some in this where we probably want to call it a draw. And we're like, it's, if, if someone wins by five seconds, we're like, that's a pretty distinct advantage. The official ruling is three seconds. Um, the way it actually works out is four or less, because it's three according to the input results. So, because they're to, like, rounded always down to the second, it's potentially up to four, but it's within three seconds, and there was a draw between um, Carolyn and Luna Citra. Yeah. And just to use those rules that you mentioned, because when I saw um, Coraline asked the question in league discussion, I was like, oh, that's, that's amazing. And I saw Shawnee, Shawnee chimed in, and I spoke to Shawnee, and I was like, well, because I'm an admin on race time, I was like, well, I can check to see act like, because I know on, on the back end, obviously, with, with race time, you just see sort of like the first decimal, right? So you don't want to see how close it is. But I know on the admin site, you get to see like six decimal places to how it finishes. And I wanted to check with Shawnee the rules because, as you say there, it's, it's even though it's three seconds, it's technically up to four, right? Because you because yeah. you don't see the decimals on race time, it's literally just it, it's three seconds on race time, and that's it. And uh, Coraline was 0.02 seconds away from not drawing. They were two frames away. Because then if they would have been two frames later, it would have been four seconds on race time. Wow. Not point. They were three, uh, three hours, 19 minutes. Uh, sorry, it was, it was, I can't remember what it was, but they're, they're, they were 0.98 seconds. And it was so close to being technically four seconds on race time. I couldn't believe it. So I think that is, is the closest we will ever see <laughs> to a draw. What are some uh, two-frame tricks in OTR? Two-frame tricks? Oh, ooh, uh... South the top of your head. Just for, like, a comparison of, like, how how, how quick is that? <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, it's in two OT, frames, it's nothing. I mean, in OOT as well, 0 0.02 seconds is not even, like, yeah, OOT runs at, what is it? Is it 20, actually 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20
is the minimum you can actually time things in. So, so it's legitimately one frame later, and that would not have been a draw. Yeah. That's wild. It'll be interesting to see how that uh, division shakes out. They're pretty much nearing completion now. Yeah, uh, Will, is... Will is tearing up that one right now. But again, one game versus everyone. The second one can swing it. And, you know, we mentioned in the test seasons earlier where you asked about your results in one of the tests. And it was like, it was like 3-0 into 0-3 or 0-3 into 3-0. It can happen. People can win all of their first games and lose all of their others or vice versa. So... Oh, yeah. yeah. It comes down to your mental aspect and how strong are you there. Mm-hmm. Um, Division 8F, very similar kind of a story, same kind of progression. Mayo Send is 7-0 and with three matches remaining. It looks like if Nix ends up dropping, hasn't played any games yet, uh, Mayo Send already has the top spot in the division. So. I, yeah, I guess to kind of give the pro- pro- like likely spoiler here, um, Nix has left the Discord, so oh, well, <laughs> very uh, likely to drop at this point. More accurately, very likely to be treated as having dropped once yeah. we hit the halfway deadline. Yeah, like they might come back and look at scheduling games in the next two weeks. So we're not going to drop them yet, but until we hear something for certain, in two weeks, very likely drop. Okay. Um... Moving on then to Division 8G. Looks like Has Coffee 6 0, also awesome name. Um, yeah, just tearing up this division. I think super strong lead in the division. I mean, it, I don't know if the other players are going to be able to catch that, right? The next player um, on here is three and four, but I mean, the yeah, the only way anyone could catch that is. So, Catanoid and Wesley both have three wins, would have to win out from here, and Coffee would have to lose both of their remaining games. Mm-hmm. So, no matter what happens, Coffee has to lose to Wesley. If Wesley loses to Coffee, Coffee takes a division. Yeah. Um, because at that point, that one match, yeah, and then Coffee will be match... four wins ahead. And they'll both have three games remaining. So, yeah. Okay. Coffee coffee beats Wesley. Coffee takes the division. Nice. Very strong. Um, okay. Division 8H. Eight. Eight um, this one looks pretty interesting. That's a really interesting division, yeah. Um, so, Louis fans currently out in first, but with a loss to Nacho Brede who has only played four games to the Louis fans six. So Nacho hasn't lost yet, but has played fewer games. This There's a lot to play for there. And like their next match between each other, their remaining game between each other, is likely to decide how that division goes. Yeah, it definitely seems like it. Unless one of them just like loses to one of the other players and the other player doesn't, that's basically what it's going to come down to here between these two. Mm-hmm. Is uh, I don't think we've seen a lopsided division like this uh, until until this one. And his best time too for Louis Ferns is two thirty three forty three. So uh, definitely think he has a strong advantage there. In watching the, the races, Louis Ferns is one of the players we knew very little about going in. But like 
is part of the Brazilian community and has clearly been racing a lot with them because knowing what I know now, Louis Ferns would probably be Division 7. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely looks that way. Um, all right. So that's all Division 8. Division 7 now. Um, each of these divisions will have one promotion and two relegations versus 8, which will have only one promotion because they're in the lowest division. Um, so two relegations per division. That's interesting. Because of the branching, yeah. So one, it, it's not strictly like 7A will go into 8A and 8B, but, mm. you know, in theory, two people from 7A will drop because they have to go into two different divisions. All right. So looking um, at 7A here, current leader Alf, who's a very good Matoris Mask uh, randomizer player, just kind of getting their feet wet with Ocarina of Time. And they've been on the grind for the last few weeks. They've gotten into RSL even too. So it's been great to see their run and their four and one out of five matches played. It's great, great record. Want to know against everyone except uh, X Yoshi 9100X. I was going to say, this is a really funny one to me where X Yoshi's in last at the moment. Fewer games played, so can still pull that back. But is the only person to beat the current division leader. <laughs> Alpha's played everybody, and the only loss was against the person currently in last, which is intriguing to me. I love divisions like this where right now, this looks like it's kind of one-sided, but it could swing with just like a couple of key results. Oh yeah, Alf just has to lose a couple, and then uh, a couple of the other players. It doesn't really matter who it is; they don't even have that many matches played. So uh, there's a lot of directions could go here. The other one here is um, Sibru, who is currently one and four, just the win against Yoshi, lost to everyone else. But has the single best time in the division right now. <laughs> to 14, wow. So like every head-to-head -head tiebreaker, like if, if they can pull those head-to-heads back to 1-1, one, one, like they, they take every tiebreaker. And that might be instrumental in avoiding relegation there. I think Division 7 is probably going to be the closest in terms of divisions. And probably in some overall of the whole league system, would you say? It's, that has the potential to be. I think it's one of the most like variable ones. It's one of the ones that could be really one-sided and could be really close, and it's just a complete one extreme or the other. Whereas, like once you get into the higher divisions, I think people are a lot more kind of compact. Everyone's at a much closer skill level, so races are decided by like minutes apart every time. I think here there's more potential for like people who are like an hour ahead but also races that come down completely to the wire and like big upsets and that kind of thing. Definitely. Um, so looking at 7B, Division 7B, they have 12 out of 30 matches played, so about the same as 7A. It says 7C and 7D, really. <laughs> um, and Baringo, currently 3-0, with seven matches remaining. Baringo and Oxido both have three uh, wins apiece. Uh, Oxido is 3-1, though. Um, and they haven't played each other either. So uh, lots of play for. A lot that's uh, just kind of up in the air with this one. Uh, see, one of the like kind of newer players, Rogue Copter, uh, they, I think, just recently started 
I want to say like the beginning of this year. Um, and they've really just gone very hard and practicing and getting better. So it's great to see them in there here, as well as uh, some other names as well. And it's another thing worth noting here is Trollax has played five games and has picked up three losses. So it's kind of unlikely to get promoted at this point and also kind of unlikely to get relegated, but could very much play Division Spoiler. Trollax has already picked up a win over Oxido. And picking up a win over Baringo would be huge because that at that point throws that contest between Baringo and Noxido into like yeah it makes it really come down to their two races. Whereas right now, if Trollax loses to Baringo, Baringo has the advantage. So you could say he's trolling the uh, division winner <laughs> by spoiling. Too easy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So division seven C. Looks like Egodev is uh, currently leading, but not really by a whole lot. He is currently tied uh, with Dark Samus227 and Vince V. Uh, nine points apiece. Very even. Again, about as many matches as played. And this is just a, another toss-up. It's pretty much uh, exactly at the halfway point for the most part. And Blade has fewer games played and is one win behind. So actually, like... I, I kind of hate to say it, the, the bottom two might already be locked for relegation or close to locked. And yeah. it's a question of who in the top four takes that promotion spot. And it could reasonably be any of them. At this point, Blade could slip down. The, the unplayed games, you know, make it pretty kind of hard to judge. But for sure. yeah, definitely a close one. Really interesting to keep an eye on that one because there's a lot to play for right now. 217 in Division 7. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about it a lot in the past few episodes, but just the community skill floor is just it's always increasing, and so is the ceiling. And I do think the league settings, like the open-ended side of things, I wouldn't say it like the seeds are always faster, but it's a lot more like when there is a jet, the jets are faster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. I think it's just the comfort level too, the familiarity with the settings. So we've been around with like this version of the settings for a long time. So I think most people are fairly comfortable and um, lends itself to fast finishes. The more comfortable you are. Seven uh, D, last one for Division Seven. Um, this guy Zeno is in first place. Was Malika in second? So fifteen to nineteen. Or fifteen to nine points apiece. Uh, currently undefeated, Zeno. It's Zeno running away right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Got to hope he loses, otherwise he's just gonna get promoted. And looks like the top, the bottom two again. They could be locked at this point uh, for relegation. Uh, Got a Zel fight on their hands. Yeah. Yeah. Zel Zelga Dison and UFC Wildcat. Um, and again, so saying earlier, the players who came in from other randos, you know, Ramon tearing up. Um, his vision, Alf, like going through theirs, but Zelga is one of the names from Link to the Past and is kind of struggling a little here. So it doesn't always play out. Like, there was definitely a lot of questions of Ramond in Division, Division 8 when uh, <laughs> we placed mm -hmm. them there. There was definitely a few questions, but I, it doesn't always transfer perfectly. And well, Zelga's got a bit of a fight as his Wildcat there. Yeah, it's a 218 best time, too. <laughs> Just for reference. Oh. Yeah, this has a 218, a 221, and a 224. 
I don't think they're staying in Division 7. I don't know. <laughs> Something tells me they're not staying here. This... Again, just the Jets are so far... I, I just looked at that division and, like, I... So I just clicked through to 6A for the next one. And okay, the fastest you know, time in yeah. 7B is faster than the fastest time in 6A. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's just a natural variance too to it, right? Like right, it's... right. I actually watched that scene though, and this was a, this was amazing. This was like strength two from go mode an hour in, and like. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, going into division six here. Each of these will have one promotion, one relegation. So six A, uh, this is a really big lead for Vidya James here, who's also an MMR player that's uh, trying to get. More into OTR as well. Um, five and zero, oh, two nineteen for his best finish. Uh, it's really just kind of running away with it again. But um, I think Division Six, you start to get to the point where we had a lot of questions about placements. Um, I know mm -hmm. that one of the names that really drew a lot of attention when people saw them in Division Six was Ace Slayer, and we were like, "Our Ace really has not played a lot. Ace did one season four race, and that's it. And that's basically it on race time." We're like. We know Ace has played before, but they were never top 32 and has barely played in the last, like, you know, months. Coming yeah, on two months. years. Like, yeah. we're, talking, we're talking in a year's range more than a month's range, which is wild. Okay, yeah. So we're like, Ace kind of has to be Division 6, looking at who was in Division 5. And, you know, um, has currently got two losses to, yeah, the top two in the division right now, but. I mean, yeah, like, again, all to play for, and it shows that Ace, I think, has a, has a very good reputation, and I know Ace can play incredibly well, but um, I will say the one race I did see for Ace Slayer was against Jamie, and it came down to not knowing bow extension, which is a trick that has only been relevant since Ganon's Castle was opened. It's very likely just Ace didn't know it. I mean... Yeah. I didn't know it had to go back to child to buy bomb shoes and that locked light arrows and that won the race for Jamie. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. small of a difference there. Um, so moving on to six B, uh, Stuckman, uh, really strong performance here. Four and one out of five matches played with Brotz and Derdoza, uh, four and three, also tied with twelve points apiece. But has two more matches played, so. Um, in a slightly worse position, Stuck is 1-0 against everyone except Oxyman. Um, again, still a lot of matches to be played here. They're exactly halfway. Um, so at the halfway point, Stuck and Brotz are pretty much tied for lead. But again, lots of matches to be played here. Uh, Cubs rule, EM6, Lin 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 also in this uh, division. Pretty diverse. Um, one of the more diverse divisions down here in 6. Definitely one of the closer ones as well. Like everybody in kind of the middle of the pack is, you know, I mean, everyone in the division is the most extreme against is kind of 4 1, 1 4. But mm. the like, the further down you go, the fewer games are played as well. So the relegation spot in particular, there's a lot to fight for there. Oh, especially uh, 6 C. Um, I haven't really seen this one at all, but. It's also very close. They only have ten out of game, ten game or ten matches out of thirty played. Um, Light Sword is leading with three wins, but Incoherent, Algauti, and Jimbo are close behind with two wins apiece. 
Secular. <laughs> yeah. Goldfish. It's the third Goldfish. player. <laughs> yeah, it's how you pronounce it. AU is gold, and there's like an English thing, so the bit at the end can be pronounced as fish. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Play for which one? <laughs> uh, the 2 0. <laughs> the 2 0 player is pronounced Goldfish. Also, keyboard player. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, my brain's not working. <laughs> yeah, Interesting. No. Keyboard player, nice. Okay, cool. Really uh, close so division again. Like, kind of helped that they kind of all of them haven't played a huge number of games. Like, definitely have some catching up to do in terms of the scheduling. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, again, like, there's a lot to play for here. When first place is at three wins, like that's that's not a huge number in terms of these standings. Like you look at some of the other divisions and the leaders on, you know, four and one, five and zero, oh, even six and zero oh in some cases. Being three and one in first, like this is a there's a lot to play for in this division. I think this one is completely open ended. Still, like anybody, I think could still win or lose in this division definitely kind of the same story for 6d as well tomatoes soup uh three and one with six matches remaining as uh, tied with tepidino and sage all at three one uh tomate is currently um one he has one win against each they, of the other two and they the other two have to face each other yeah, they picked up a loss to Death King, I want to say yesterday, mm. from recording. Um, but they still have the huge advantage there of the head-to-heads being 1-0 versus both Tepidino and Sage, um, who haven't played each other, so their head-to-heads can tie into everything really neatly as well. There's definitely a lot to play for in the top end of this division. The lower end creative username has a struggle ahead. Uh, it's currently 04 and hasn't played Timmy yet, so a lot to fight for, but it's going to be a fight. All right, moving on to Division 5. Uh, again, one promotion, <laughs> one relegation. Division 5A. Hmm. <laughs> There's an unknown name in the, in the lead of this one. <laughs> Some, someone by the name of uh, Emosida. Yeah, who's this joke? I'll show you that is. That's me. That's guilty as charged. That's, that's me. Oh, Emosida. Guilty that as makes charged, sense. winning. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of looking at the times here, it's like my best time is 3.02, but all my seeds have been bad. <laughs> like They're all just shit seeds. They've kind of been winning, but um, my other wins, uh, we'll, I get, we can talk about one of them here. We have a match recap uh, written up here, but um, yeah, my other kind of my experience, I guess, in, the, in this division is I play against Sly and I win and it's like a, a one minute snipe that I get him. It's, that was my best time, 3.02.27. And then I go against uh, what were the other matches that I played? 
we can talk about the Cloud Ike, Cloud Ike match, but uh, Alizune I lost to as my one loss, uh, my most recent match. Um, really gross seed. Basically, it's 50 Skull Magic, which unlocks... Uh, I unlocked, I think, Letter for Hammer, and Hammer unlocked Longshot and Valley Hammer Rocks? Or something like that? So you had to first get 50 Skulls, and then you had to get, like... All these other things. And so that was like a four-hour uh, seed. But, um, And then my FCS match was about like three and a half hours. Just kind of an average match. Or no, no, no. That was a 352. Yeah, that was also <laughs> a pretty, pretty bad seed. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you guys want to... If you, if you both want to talk about uh, my, uh, my match I had against Cloud Ike, uh, I, I can also talk about it, too. I don't mind. I mean, I, I think know. you're in the best position to talk about it. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll talk about it. That's fine. Um, so, records going into the race. Cloud Ike was 0-2 and I was 2-0. This was uh, two weeks ago now. Um, How about, yeah. It's a four and a half minute difference that I beat him by. It was a 3-0-6 finish for me. Um, child starts, medallion start. I think fire medallion with prelude start. I rolled the seed for reference. Not that it really matters, but uh, child spawn was at Zor's River behind the waterfall. So the very first thing I did, because I know I was against a French player, is I immediately turned back and did domain because I knew they would skip it. Um, <laughs> because a lot of European players just hate domain now, and it's really funny. And so I'll just do it. And if it has anything, I'm just up so many minutes against them that. I figured it was worth the risk, and I think I got, like, a wallet. So, like, even in terms of routing, like, it helped out a lot. <laughs> just related to, do, like, two checks that Very related and, tangent, by the way. Watching so yeah. many of these races, I have picked up on so many player habits. I know the players who will do River Early, and I know the players who will never touch it now. Like, yeah. I swear to God, you could do head-to-head -head coaching so easily in this. Like, people have habits that are so easy to learn, and I'm really curious to know if people are researching their opponents for the league. Um, I don't know I, if you studied. <laughs> I haven't quite yet, but it doesn't. I mean, I'm one zero against most people in, in my <laughs> division too, so I feel like I just have to play well, and I'll probably be good enough. But yeah, um, I'm I, I expect if people are, it's game. more so at the top end, but where mm. there's also going to be a lot more data for most people. But yeah, they like now that the matches have started flowing in, people have that data to go back and look into. Yeah, it was a early hint here for 50 skull light arrows. Um, so I I was just pumping my fist. I was like, yeah, great, great. Um, I'm playing against a player that hasn't really played a ton. They're O2, they're rusty, they're slow. So I'm I'm just gonna go get all the skulls and just go pretty hard on it. But like also OT was Sunsong and Graveyard was way, way the hero, so I it was kind of awkward for like the first hour. I was like, uh, how hard do I go on skulls? Like, do I go super hard? Like, is it a jet seed or uh, is it like AD in disguise? And I can just like get five here, five here, kind of that thing. So, um, so I went straight to Lon Lon, uh, and so did Cloud, but I went to Kakuri Forest from Ranch and they did Valley Lake. They found a bottle in the river or the valley waterfall, which happened to become an issue later on in the race for way the hero ice um 
I didn't find a bottle for like maybe 20 or 30 minutes. <laughs> just I was just looking for a bottle. Your first one was Ruto's letter. <laughs> yep, yep, sure was. Sure was. <laughs> My only bottle. Uh, there's another point of divergence in Lost Woods. We both found a 10-pack of chews on the bridge scrub. Cloud checked the lost two Lost Woods grottos and reset to scum the chews. I continued into Goron City and found a bow on Big Rolling Goron. And I knew I was miles ahead of my opponent, because, like, when are <laughs> they ever going there? Um, and I also checked the maze, and I scummed the maze. Um, so I... I don't know, I was down to five choose at that point, so I could have just not kept the bow, or I could have kept the bow. Um, but, uh... I forget, I forget getting, exactly what I did. I don't know. Getting I don't to do forest is a big deal, though. Like, the yeah. fact that you just get to go and do one of your medallions there is just huge. And uh, if you find a bomb bag in forest, you know, rewarded. Massively rewarded. Yeah, with the choose and Lost Woods, uh, Hookshot was an open Deku and Strength was on Ocarina minigame. So, yeah, it just gave me the ability to go to forest. And it was a, meda it was a medallion. I didn't know that at the time, but I kind of figured... If it gave me the forest stuff that early, I'm just going to go to forest. I don't care if it's a medallion. Um, like it's it's not it's not in logic, mind you. So like it could be super far into logic. It could be the last dungeon. It could be go mode. It could be barren. But at that point in the seed, you just kind of have to press your advantage if you know you have one. So at that point, <laughs> unless he goes Goron City, I know I have an advantage. Um, unless there's an easier bow, something like that. But. Um, there's a bomb bag on the forest floor master, so <laughs> I got bailed out pretty hard. <laughs> Rushed forest on the bomb bag. Happens to be medallion anyway. Uh, we both beat DC around the hour mark. Um, Cloud did it with shoes, and I did it with the bomb bag. This is Cloud's third medallion to my fourth medallion. Then we headed a different way of the hero areas. Cloud went to Ice because they had bottle, and I went to Ganon's. Um, both way the hero. Cloud KZ skipped to check ice with two bottles, found slingshot wreck for stone spirit and ice. Afterwards, Cloud followed storms from way the hero graveyard and went back child to check the well. Meanwhile, I was in Ganon's and found strength three in Ganon's and found nothing in light trial. So I went to OGC and found Rang. Um, and less than a minute later, Cloud found Rudo's letter in the well. They also found a bow in the well basement chest, which was their first bow. Uh, and if that wasn't there, I would have just won the match straight up. Because um, then they would have had to clear everything else and then eventually go to Goron City as well. But having already gone to Lost Woods and done the explosive checks, I don't know when that was going to be. Um, like, looking back on it here, like, it's just like, if you don't get a bow there and, and well, it's just lights out. <laughs> like... Um, I think the other intriguing thing here was like, so from there you basically end up crossing paths and you end up kind of, you go and do bottom of the well and you find the letter and go and beat Jabu and then you go to Way of the Hero Ice after that while Cloud on the other hand, you know, beats Forest after getting the bow and then goes and gets strength from Ganna's castle and gets the boomerang and the whole way through, you're, like, side by side on Skulls the entire time. Like, I think from the point that you hit about 23 up, you were never more than, like, three apart. That was the scary part. I mean, it, you could pace yourself through it, too. If you know how many 
progression dungeons you have left for 50 skull light arrows you just have to make sure you're at 50 when you have the six medallion that's all you have to make sure of and then i think the way the seed played out was shadow was like last or close to last yeah so you could just walk from shadow get lights and cac and then go to castle i think was my my end route there um so my i think my last skull was actually in shadow if i remember correctly um yeah yeah, we were only missing one item, Dins. Uh, and we went to Spirits without a mirror shield, found nothing. We both went to GTG. Uh, I had a head start because I had already beaten Fortress um, and found mirror shield on the left side of GTG Maze. And then we both returned Spirit, full cleared, found Dins on Twin Rova for Go Mode and Stone Spirit. Uh, 244 to Cloud 250, Go Mode. Um, we just kind of kept that kind of a difference. Four and a half minutes in, in the very end versus six. Um, kind of there for the go mode. But uh, Cloud had GCPK and was going to Gans when I finished. And that was that. I mean, cool seeds. I like the settings. Again, very pro it, league. Again, I think it's really worth noting here. It's a four, four and a half minute difference. Um, mm-hmm. You're currently top of the division and CloudX currently bottom with zero wins personally and like i say this as the spectator more than the organizer this is honestly the division that interests me the most because you six are completely different players with completely different backgrounds like there are no two players in this league in this sorry in this division who play in the same style and have the same like similar habits you know we talk a lot about how the french community plays in very similar ways but like zoro is very different to fcs who is very different to cloudike and like allison is almost like a wild card in all of this and sly sly is like i feel like you and sly are on opposite ends of the scale where you play in kind of similar ways but you're like super focused and on top of like a lot of like the metagame things, but then you'll occasionally like go off on decision making in a completely different direction to how most people would. Whereas Sly plays very consistently, but doesn't s- stay on top of like the meta and stuff like yeah. that. And it's just, it's really intriguing to me, this division, because anybody could have come out on top or last at all. And like Nobody is going to say Cloudike is a bad player. Cloudike was top 32 back in season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but hasn't played as much over the last kind of year or so and has kind of dropped down a bit. And yeah, like it's it's really intriguing to me to see how this plays out. And the fact that, yeah, first versus last in the division was four minutes apart kind of speaks volumes here. I think also the biggest thing for that match specifically the biggest thing i did to put myself ahead was when i found rudos and well i was in like semi go mode outside of dens which i had Requay the hero from ice so i just assumed it was in spirit somewhere mm-hmm. um and it turns out it's on fucking twin Rova, but um yeah i just kind of put down furores because i had magic and furores and just left and I don't know. The French restream seemed kind of shocked by that. They were just like, wow, what a play. <laughs> like, because there, yeah. there were like three if other you're... items in there that like Longshot was in there. If I needed that, I would have been oh. screwed. Like, I was going to say, if, if you swap Longshot and Mirror Shield in the seed, yeah. like, 
it's game breaking, but that's Rando as well, right? And oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I would say that's a four minute difference, like finishing bottom of the well, but it's it's getting close. Like <laughs> a big influence, yeah. It wasn't the sole reason, but yeah, yeah. Finding the bow early is definitely what put me ahead. Uh, 5B here, a lot of names I'm familiar with for sure in this one. Um, really, Rock Chalk is undefeated, 4-0, uh, six matches remaining. It's only 9 out of 30 played in this one, so really just, uh, there's a lot that's going to change here in the next few weeks. A couple uh, of people really... slacking, we'll have to chase them up. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, a lot of like double dipping here between like RSL, um, yeah. some other multi world, so it's, it makes sense. Um, but we'll see kind of how this shakes out in the next few weeks. Five C here. Um, Alexis is five and zero. Oh. Pretty good start. Five matches remaining. Again, about a, a third of the matches here played out, and yeah. Again, we'll see how this one kind of goes. Looking, looking in Alexa's favor right now. Speaking oh, of yeah. which, yo, the next six, five D is Guardians played eight games. <laughs> mm. Um, Guardian is currently six and two, and two zero over Menno, two zero over Drachma. That is huge. Like, that's going to be really important for any potential tiebreakers and. Yeah, J-Bone not far behind. The only loss that J-Bone has had was against Dark Heaps, but uh, has played three fewer games. So they're, they're, those two are really battling out of the top there, and the rest are kind of trying to avoid relegation right now. Makes sense. Menno, by the way, is another one that a lot of people were like, how is Menno as low as Division 5? And then they were looking at the people in Division 4 like, Actually, this is close. This makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's definitely rooting for me not to win my division because he said he wants to face me. <laughs> 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 Which I don't. I don't know how to take that. I don't know how to take that. I'm just like, okay, cool. <laughs> that would nice. be cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, division four A here. It's kind of just being a, a runaway here. Um, Kind of undefeated player, but aside from that, uh, we'll see if what happens relegation-wise. There's still a lot of matches to be played in the the lower half here of the division. Uh, moving on to Division Four B, and these are have two relegations and one promotion, by the way, for Four and Four B. Four B, a lot of players I'm familiar with here. A lot of players I like too. Um, not that I don't like some players, but. Um, a lot, of, a lot of community names, though, uh, that I'm familiar with. And again, it's someone from another randomizer we, we see here. Skyward uh, from Majora's Mask, one of the top runners in that. Uh, 7-0. and oh. Can you believe it? Skyward has looked incredible in those races. I um, We've restreamed Alex versus Skyward in their first race, and it it was a trash seed, don't get me wrong. But also, like... Skyward just looked flawless the whole way through. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah, like I, th I think he has. That's one of the potential names for season five. That I think uh, just this early on, I think we should be very much paying attention to. I think he's that good. Um, 
but yeah, 21 points, <laughs> which is just like a hilarious number <laughs> compared to the Oshizor, who's 0 and 10. I mean, they dropped, but yes, yeah, um, Oshizor dropped out. Um, which does raise some questions regarding um, how that affects the promotions and relegations. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to say there is a simple answer to that, but there's not because everything's going to be shuffled quite a lot going forwards in terms of like people joining anyway. So the simple point is more if it affects the promotions and the relegations, it won't do it as much as new players joining will anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be kind of a scrum here between Fabio, Mike Katz, Alex, and Ice9TM. Um, so we'll see kind of what happens there. I, I, I believe in Fabio. If anyone's going to take on Skyward, um, it's probably going to be Fabio. But it's Fabio's be coming first. ahead so far. Worth noting that no. one of the others, even with Yoshi's all dropping, one of the others will still be relegated for the second spot anyway. Mm. So there is a bit of a battle to avoid fifth. Yeah, we'll see who can clinch that out. So Division 3, moving up here. One promotion, one relegation, 3A. Okay, this is where the, the names start getting a little bit bigger. Um, so the number of matches here is quite low. I know Arthur was away for the first two weeks of the league or something. Um, has started kind of putting in the games now. And has started putting them in pretty strongly. Like, starting off 2-0 is, you know, a good way to register your first couple of games in the week. Um, outside of that, Westifer is the big name kind of standing out at the top here. Um, the one loss to Arthur, and otherwise is 3-0, or, well, is 3-1, including that one loss. And that means, like, only four games played, but Devin is basically the only person in this division who's getting games played. So <laughs> there's still uh-huh. definitely a lot that can change in this one. And uh, Riedrim looking on course for a relegation here. Worth noting as well, by the way, uh, Riedrim in his losses hasn't actually finished one of the seeds. So that best time tiebreaker is just slipping away. Oof. Yeah. Like, Doesn't have the opportunity cost there, right? Because like, Mm-hmm. You never know how fast a seed's going to be. So the faster it is, the more you have to take advantage of it just for tie breaks alone. So just having one of however many matches that you play in the division, like one out of eight, one out of ten, um, just having one of them be like something sub three, something like 230, something below that uh, is super important, uh, depending on how close the division is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm which I, I love. I love that that's the case. I love that we have had a tie already. Like, that's, so that's super cool. It's yeah, super can cool. Can we just say as well, Division 8, you'd expect Division 8 by sheer numbers. Keep in mind, Division 8 is... What is it? Eight divisions. The lower two had five per... So... Division 8 is 46 players. You'd expect more of that. That's a third of the league right there, basically. Mm-hmm. You'd expect a higher variance. The draw came in Division 8. Like, it's, it, yeah. yeah, it's it's intriguing to me. I love seeing... It's supposed to have the highest variance, but it had a tie. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, it can happen. I mean, it's great. It, 
It's great to see. It's great to see. It really is. Really credit to how they're grouped. I mean, like I they say, I, that's the bit things. I'm the most proud of is the way the the placements have worked out. It'll be interesting to see how we can tie in newcomers in the next season because I think we'll have a challenge on our hands with people dropping and joining. But I think the next season is where we'll see the most shakeup, and then after that, it should settle a little bit. Yeah, it'd be pretty stable for the most part. It'll be cool too to see just like how it changes over the life cycle uh, between each each of the uh, the seasons here, and if there's like any uh, like settings changes, like that, that'll be cool to see too. Like what the effect on each division even will have. Like what are these groups of players really going to do? Um, yeah, it's just really I want to cool. see the rivalries. I want to see the rivalries start. Have two players who keep swapping yeah. back and forth relegation promotion and never get to play against each other because they're constantly swapping back and forth. And then the season where they finally end up in the same division. Like, oh I, I want to see things like that build up. I want that, like, community rivalries and friendships. And I want, I want this to bring the community together. The more it does that, the better. And mm. everyone gets some great races out of it. That's, that's all I can ask for. <laughs> now, for Division 3A, uh, we do have a match here to recap just really quickly. Uh, this is between Sora and Daredevin. This is the match that I uh, race modded. Uh, this is the last Sunday. Uh, Sora was hey. 0 1, and da uh, Daredevin was 0 3 going into the race. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they both had a lot to play for in this. Yeah, it's basically uh, who gets fucked the least. Like, <laughs> like there's. You know if one of these getting stabbed, like, <laughs> or like you want to get that first win on the board as early as you can, just just yeah. for the peace of mind, just for the comfort of it, and yeah, like both players going in without a win yet. It's... But adult start, stone start, not not great. Sun song, not great. And in Kakariko, so at least you get your early adult Kak. At least it's a good spawn for later in the seed. Still think that's the worst starting song. Just, just, just straight up his sons. Yeah, with, with these settings, with these settings, like it's just. Oh yeah, normally I'd say song of time, but in this, like, that's a huge weight off your shoulders if you start with song of time. Yeah, with Freezeo especially, like your time of day routing is super straightforward. Generally, like you just have to get mm -hmm. to Lon Lon or Market. And then as, as long as you clear your first child segment, then it doesn't even matter at, after that point, for the most mm -hmm, part. Mm -hmm. um, so you, it really, there's a lot of variation, especially with the uh, random spawns. I know you're not a huge fan of it, but like it does matter for time of day routing specifically. So like knowing where the yeah. other player will go in a 1v1 is super important. Um, and that kind of like decision tree and just knowing kind of the meta of decisions uh, that the other runner could do. I, I will mean, say the random age spawn point. is growing on me. It's, okay, okay. it's growing on me a bit, but I also think people should play vanilla spawns with Freezy Owl, because starting with a yeah. warp song, we did that in the test season, right? Season two is uh, the test season two had that, and it was really intriguing what like to see how people would route the rupee farming for Deku Tree if you didn't get it in Mido's or like what your warp song was at the start and how that played into things. And yeah, I, I think that one is fun to play, but I also I can see the merits on the random age spawn and it is growing on me quite a bit. 
We didn't even talk about potato skip integral and the, <laughs> the, <laughs> in the test leagues. Not even a joke. It was fucking integral. It was good. <laughs> like it happened. It happened. Um, yeah, Zeth will tell you all about it. <laughs> he won't. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, both runners, uh, they picked up a strength and weighed the hero Deku tree early on. Open Deku. Great. Um, so they just did like the cack route, go child, go Lamon, go Deku. Um, so Devin stayed child a little bit longer to turn in letter, uh, which was on the Kakuri sword chest and check the well with no, no explosives, but had ZL while Sora went back adult to check, uh, DC with strength. There was a five pack of shoes in the DC map chest, which let Sora finish the dungeon and found a boomerang in the bomb pack chest and a bow on King Dodongo. Uh, <laughs> wild just uh early checks here so it looked pretty jetty early on uh, but after dc sora kz skipped to go to ice because uh, they had rudo's letter but hadn't turned it in yet i love this play by the way mm-hmm. i do it all the time um it's just logically if you know it's already in all right no, i'll just go there right. now fuck it yeah, yeah, what's the like, risk? <laughs> yeah there's literally none unless you're gonna go to javu and you know you have, you have to go to javu anyway yeah. Missing out King Zora is like the only thing and eh, whatever. That's like nothing. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, like it's a pretty pro Ice Cavern play. Like it if you get letter in Kakuri Forest, just Sphere Zero. If you just get Sphere Zero letter in general, just go to Ice. Just <laughs> go to Ice, go to Java. Just go just do both. Like fuck it. Like it it's always almost always the case when you see a sphere zero letter. It's just it almost it le- leads to everything, man. <laughs> like, or in this case, fucking, it just where? leads to yeah. a bomb bag or two. Yeah, two bomb bags and ice. Uh, and nocturne, I guess. Yeah, nocturne is um, required. Yeah, useful, apparently. Um, only a little bit. I mean, at this point in the seed, they didn't really know if they had to go to Shadow. Um, so they didn't know if they had to pay off. But just for their warp yes. songs, it, it, they weren't great either. Yeah, I guess they would have point. known it from... Yeah, they've done Deku Tree, so they would have known their medallions at that point. So Shadow's a stone, but you're still like, Nocturne is useful, and it's Shadow. You're probably going to have to do It's so many checks, like, right? Yeah, in terms of other like things that he could have checked, it's basically overworld or do you go ice right now? And I think just going ice first is definitely a safer play. And this early in the seed, you want to get the song anyway, so it doesn't mm-hmm. even matter like when you get it. Um, and just if the other options there. can't be full cleared, then you want to go to the places you can full clear. Ice, mm. ice is one of those. So yeah, just go through, sweep through the whole location. And then you find the bomb bags and you're like, great, now I can just go full clear, like, bottom of the well and a bunch of grottos. And yeah, Sora did exactly that, went out to Lost Woods, found Strength 2 and the Mirror Shield in the two grottos. Devin only had the one two left after DC, got the Mirror Shield, but didn't get the Strength. Which... With Way of the Hero Lost Woods is scary already. Like, yeah. at that point, you know the Mirror Shield is Way of the Hero. Like, so you, you're not going to prioritize going back there. But, yeah. You, you could have gone ice at this point. Um, 
I mean, you, oh. you'd already had gone to Bomb the Well as well. So, like, really, what other play do you have other than going to Ice? He already turned in Letter as well because he did that in his extended child one. Um, so, that, yeah, at this point, like, if, if I'm Devin, I, I feel like I just go straight ice, and that solves all your problems anyway. Even if you miss one of the, the grottos there, just based on what items they are, strength to mirror shield, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, and you know you're probably going to have to go clear that anyway. It's next to Goron City. It's next to Kakuri Forest, Minuet. Like it, there's a lot of different ways you can get there. So, um, And depending on where, where your warp is. If your warp is like in field or something, then that also gets better too. Um, so it's, it's definitely a complicated like question. And I think that like the spawns especially definitely help solve that problem, but they can sometimes like create new problems too. And it's great to see to kind of like have an effect like this on, on the, uh, the race. Um, so both Devin and Sora ended up in stone job around the same time. They kind of just like all, their routes kind of just like met here. Because he always yeah, has a convergence else. point in routing. Yeah. It's just a matter of when, not if. So that they, they found their first hook shot on the compass chest in Jabu. And this is Stone Jabu. Um but uh Not Ocarina of Time was, no. Nope. Yeah, Sari's song was on Ocarina of Time, so like you could probably guess that it's uh logical AD. But Colossus had Minuet, which is way the hero, so you know it can't be, but uh, regardless, it's still like a strong area to go to, right? Like, it's not the worst thing in the world. It just takes a lot of time. If you know the other player, like, has any hesitation or they don't necessarily like doing Stone Jabu specific specifically, if you, like, skip Domain, then go there, then do Domain after, you get a lot of advantage doing that sometimes, especially if they definitely skip Domain themselves, uh, and then you won't uh, put yourself behind, so... Um, I don't know. It's a it's a difficult spot to put an important item because the other player could gain the twenty minute advantage here. For example, like if they skip a bunch of overworld and they just go dungeons. Like if uh, Sora went ice and then found the the Jabu supplies, just go immediately Jabu after, or just uh, immediately Jabu then ice. Like then uh, you could see even. Bigger time advantage there, so it's a super scary spot if you're either player in this uh, in this seed for 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 that reason. So that make made any sense? I don't know if I stammered too much, but <laughs> no, yeah, no. Um, yeah. So both leave, both get opponents, both. This this is a really interesting divergence to me, where one goes to the medallion dungeon and one goes to the hints. Like, it's it's a minor difference, but this is one of the things where I'm like, you always do your medallions first. Like in it my mind, that hint could be some kind of bait thing. It could be a wallet for a tunic. It could be the tunic. It could be something that you're struggling to keep track of at the time. Um. Doesn't matter in this case, they both both were required. Um, but it was the hover boots in the way of the hero, and Din's was in forest. So 
Devin you, went you over know. to GTG. I guess I guess the other thing is Devin went over to GTG, found the hover boots, and then found 22s, but also bought 10. And I guess the initial plan is you can buy the 10 and set for Rosin Spirit, because Devin's still missing strength two at that point. Um and so you kind of get to stock up on explosives for the rest of the seed, hopefully, and then leave your FW in spirit and then just kind of then go and do your forest temple and whatever else. But they basically converged after that. Sora obviously going over to Spirit had strength too, but found out there were no keys. So you needed to get Requiem. Um, and Temple of Time is hinted way of the hero. Okay. Yep, Probably that was behind. Yep, that was behind water, which behind long shot, which they didn't have, uh, which is a stone. Or no, 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 no. It was uh, it was foolish water. That was it. So yeah. You have to go do foolish water. You have to go find long shot for it first, and then question mark. Spirit. Yeah, like <laughs> like the seed shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, requiem to do spirit. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, Rex hard required. Like it's like ah, god. Like it, so they both go into stone getting shadow. Worse. As oh you yeah, do. yeah, yeah. They had to. Um, and it had the light arrows and nothing else. <laughs> not even an item. Not even a relevant <laughs> item. It was like pretty late too. I think it was in the two Gibdo room that light arrows were there. So like at that point you're like yeah okay I'll just do it whatever. Or it might have been like late in the maze too. Like it. It was somewhere really late in, in Shadow, regardless. So it was like, okay, I'll just do this in, in case, like, Bar uh, not Varanine, uh, fucking Bongo, in case that guy has anything. But so um, this is the other thing, I think. This is another point where it's like, it's a randomizer and it's going to happen. I mentioned earlier that I didn't like the idea of, like, doing the hints before the progression. In this mm. one, they also had the choice of, like, okay, you've got a bunch of bad checks. Where do you go? Sora stays adult, goes into fire to dip it without hammer and see how far they can go. Immediately gets locked out, leaves Sora's wind there because Bolero is like on burning cat, hinted, late. Like, you're not getting that for a while. So leaving the FW there is great. Devin goes, I'm going to do all dungeons for Sarias and goes and beats at Jabu and finds the long shot. <laughs> What? Yeah, it was just uh, it was on the Jabu that they both didn't complete earlier. You know, after finding their first hook shot there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just, you rolled uh, this. You rolled this one, right? Yeah. I That's sure did. I cool. sure did. <laughs> um, only five minutes apart getting the long shot. So, hammer from go mode. Um, Sarius did nothing. Beat water. You get the Requiem from Temple of Time, you beat Spirit, uh, and at that point they're close to each other. Devin is very slightly ahead, but it's close. Um, get into Ganon's Castle, which gives the Hammer in Spirit Trial, and Sora has the Feroz Wind in Fire. Devin at that point can go and pick up the Burning Cack song as Bolero, learns that, plays it to go in, but Sora just has that advantage from that point. Being able to just jump straight into fire from there ended up being huge. And 
yeah, again, uh, less than two minutes apart, like incredibly close race, and it all came down to basically Sora having the FW in fire, having dipped it earlier. Is that two minute lead? Um, <laughs> Ferraris wins again. Let's go. <laughs> So yes, yeah, so, so, so usage. I mean, it's the, one of the biggest time saves you can have ah, in like higher competitive play. Like it's <laughs> amazing. It's just free time. It's um, also I. I want to say as well, like this race put Sora at one one afterwards. Devin mm. was o four, and yeah. like we mentioned earlier, like mindset is huge. Getting that first win is huge. Devin right now two and four. It's really like. Up. The the yeah the comeback is starting. Um, Just got to play Arthur and beat him two times in a row, and then he'll be in really good shape. But uh, that's a tall order. Uh, I mean, Arthur is in two zero, and there's only two matches played, so he's got a lot to prove. But I mean, he's he's here to play. So, and Mm -hmm. Zora's only one one with uh, two matches played as well. So a lot of uh, really high profile runners here in this group. Really. be interesting to see how that shakes out in the next few weeks even um, yeah this one yeah. has a lot that could shift at the top and also the question mark of can Riadrim do the comeback Devin started it now Riadrim has to yep yeah if he does that too that would be amazing to watch but like even across like all divisions here like across the board uh it's been so many close matches like I've just been like scrolling mm-hmm. results mm-hmm. just like oh wow that's that's competitive wow minutes Across yeah. every division, um, yeah, the, the eight division eight time, yeah. <laughs> so, division three A, I think, is one of the closest right now. Uh, mm. Division three B is the complete other end of the scale. Um, everybody has played either four or five games. You know, they're pretty much halfway. Thirteen out of thirty as a full division. Mm. Um. I'm going to be honest here, going into this division, personally, this isn't like a league organizer thing again, this is just me as a spectator and as a player and whatever. Going into this division, I'd be like, one shot and barrel of wild cards. Like, one shot has drastically improved. Like, there is no denying that. Season 4 was like the breakout performance. Um, But it's hard to say with a performance like that, whether it's kind of a lucky break, or whether it's, like, consistent. Barrel is a very wildcard player. It's the kind of person who will, like, crush a seed or get absolutely crushed, and there's very rarely a middle ground. Um, some of Barrel's routing decisions are wild, and some of them just seem so... His execution is incredible, and, like, yeah, there's so many times where it looks like Barrel is going to dominate, and so many times where it looks like he's just clueless. Mm-hmm. And this division really is like the two stories because one shot is four and zero, oh, and barrel is zero oh and five. Wow! And it's just a clean cut across the entire division. There are two pairs that haven't played each other, and otherwise everyone's played everyone once. Um, Sam and one shot need to play. Hamster and Sea Falcon need to play, and it is literally one shot has won every game he's played. Sea Falcon has won every game except the one against one shot. Exodus has won every game except the ones against One Shot and Falcon. Like, it is just straight through in order. Interesting to see Hamster 1 and 3. It's lower than I would expect. 
I think they've been focusing more on RSL, and I, I think they actually get stronger in the more complicated settings. Um, I agree. Yeah, I think Hamza is a very execution player who often plays too thorough, and it, that yeah, yeah. is more rewarding in things like RSL and in like more bottleneck seeds, and is very very punishing in something like this that's very open ended. Yeah, I love skipping items and skipping checks. So, like for that, like leagues, uh, very rewarding. I would say yeah, top of the division. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I can just like gamble here. Yeah, okay. If it works out, whatever. It'll be really interesting to see how people adapt to these settings as the divisions and as the seasons go on. Because assuming the settings don't change too drastically, like mm-hmm. there will be meta games building around this because this is a much more aggressive meta than anything we've seen for the last like five six months at least oh yeah no anything that like you can kind of press advantage press like aggressiveness even like i i think that's a good format and there's only a few ways you can do that with ocarina time randomizer and this is one of the good ways to do it i mean uh, you can also play like blitz settings. I think are good at that. Uh, some types of RSL seeds, but again, you don't never know if you're gonna get that. Um, yeah, just a, it's a really good mix of everything that you need to play randomizer. I, I think it's a really good balance. Um, one really fun side note with Division Three B, by the way, mm-hmm. saying about the best time tiebreakers and everything. So Sea Falcon has a sub two, um, which is the best time in the division. And Exodus with a 207. Jesus. And then Barrel is next. And then Just Sam. And then Hamster. One shot currently has the worst best time result in the division. He only plays four and Only plays shit seeds. <laughs> four and only, please. <laughs> worst on the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> love it. That is incredible to see. Just like. Again, it, like it uh... could swing so drastically, though. The tiebreakers could really play into it. And at the same time, like right now, one shot's basically saying, I don't care about the tie- tiebreakers. I'll just win. Like, yeah. who needs a good finishing time if you just win all your races? Exactly. Yeah. And it's basically the same story for me. I'm top of division and basically the slowest by like a couple minutes. But. <laughs> That's very, mm-hmm. that's very cool. Division two. So only two divisions left. Two. So there are two relegations here. Firstly, because there's the branch below into three A and B. So one relegates into each. Um. We just we just finished talking about the best time, so I'm going to start there because Goomba versus Kevin, their first match. What the actual hell happened? This was. I, they finished nine minutes apart. Kevin lost with a 153. <laughs> straight, just sorry, not fast enough. <laughs> not, just, not just a loss with a 153, like near enough 10 minutes. Like, it's oh, a question to be, yeah. Like, 144 for Gumba, like, not that is not getting beaten. Um, yeah, I know, I know Gumba is fast, but damn. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess the flip side to that is like, Goomba's best time isn't getting beaten, and it kind of doesn't matter because Goomba's picked up one loss so far to Cola, um, and Cola's picked up two losses elsewhere. So, 
Goomba is looking likely to go into Division 1 at this point. Um, there is still some competition there. Keizo in particular has only played oh, has only played Goomba and Cola, the two current frontrunners, um, and is 1-1, so definitely has some room to pick up those results. Uh, the flip side to that is Gavaroni and Martin are currently kind of trailing a little. Um, Gav has the one win over Martin. The, the comeback is still, there's still room for the comeback. Those two, you know, are still under half their games played. Um, but definitely, this is the time that they need to start getting those wins in to avoid relegation. I thought those are going to go down to Division 3, which also is going to be it's about as difficult as this one, I think. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. Like, yeah. Obviously, the idea is that the lower you go, the kind of easier the opposition should be. But honestly, a lot of them don't look that much easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's more about the pools of players than this specific division, really. Mm-hmm. Um. Just win, just win all your races. That's how you just win all your races. Uh, then we go on to Division One, which only has one relegation. So uh, if you win this one, uh, you just you're cool. There will be a oh, will there be league champion like thing role in the Discord. Um, just like a little novelty thing. There will be a like league champion role with a color attached to it um, and whatever. But it has to be defended. It will move. Like it's the oh, same wow. one for every season. So if somebody right. wins it in one season and then doesn't win the next, they will lose the role to the person who won. So huh. yeah. There is so like a little bit of a trophy. But it's this division only? Only for division one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Basically the league champion. Dang. Well. Which right now. Seisei is on course to take. Um, Seisei is currently three and one, but the one loss is to Mario, who is one and two, and Fanta is one and two with a win over Ryu Kane, who's in second. <laughs> and like, there's a lot to play for. This, like, I guess it should come as no surprise that the top division is like incredibly competitive, but. Everybody, like, there is nobody who is unbeaten, and there is nobody who's yet to pick up a win. Like, everybody has at least one win and one loss. And, like, the most anyone has played is five games. And both of those are 3 2 and 2 3. There's, there is a ton to play here. Yeah, this is a season four tournament, the league division version. Uh, Season four players. So. When we were seeding players for the league, we did take season four into account quite a lot because it's the most kind of clean cut standings we would have Hero. at the time that are up to date and recent and relevant. Yeah. But even without that, like I spoke to a couple of other people who aren't league admin, and obviously the six of us kind of spoke amongst ourselves and stuff. And Without question, every single time, there were three players who stood out at the very top as if they're not in Division 1, something has gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, it probably and, says, what the hells? 
Uh, out of these, I don't know. You could pick pretty much any of them. There say. were so there were like ten names that we looked at as potentially Division One, and we had to kind of figure out who was Division One and who was Division Two. And every basically, we all had our top six. And I got a couple of other people to do like a similar top six list out of those 10. And the only three names that made every single, we're talking like eight or nine different lists. The three names that were in every single list were what the hell's Mario Cariosa. And then there would be a little bit of divergence as you went down. Um, but the one that we, the one that I think we ended up kind of settling on as like the next, the next pick, quote unquote. Um, was Seisei. And a big part of that was Seisei's ladder performance. Mm. Like, Seisei was top of the ladder leaderboards. Comfortably. Seisei's 1v1 record is really good. And in a, it, the league is a 1v1 format. So it ended up being that Seisei was one of the, like, kind of highest ranked people in our list because... As much as season four quals were taken into account, the bracket and like previous 1v1 experience was so much more important because it's more relevant to this setting. And Seisei has looked dominant in 1v1s. Yeah, they've got that competitive edge, uh, a lot of experience. And it's really going to be uh, probably their greatest asset in this kind of a scenario as well. Like, it's just. Uh, that's it's what the whole league system is really great at doing is just getting all that competitive experience like Seisei has, uh, like from the latter, um, when, when that was the thing, into all these different divisions, all these different skill levels. It, it's great to see all that experience uh, kind of culminate here. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see how people kind of adapt and improve as the seasons go on. Like I say, I'd expect season two will have quite a lot different. In terms of like, I imagine the settings will be basically the same. I imagine the structure and everything will be basically the same. But obviously, we're going to make things a little, hopefully, nicer on the back end. The website, hopefully, will be done for season two. Um, and also, I'd imagine just a lot of people who are playing in this season will go, actually, this isn't for me. And a lot of people who have been sat on the outside looking in are going to go, actually, this seems really cool. I'm going to join as well. So I think there'll be quite a bit of a shakeup in terms of the number of players and the people who are involved. After that, I'm really excited to see kind of like the tail end of season two, season three, how it settles and how it starts to adapt to itself and how people adapt to the opponents that they keep running into. Because... You know, the most you'll have leaving a division is three players. Um, the divisions where one person goes up and two go down, three of those players are still in that kind of bubble. So a lot of these players, there, there will be some shuffling between divisions, but a lot of these players are going to play against the same people season after season after season. You know, division one, only one person is going to change. Five of them are staying. So I, I'm, I'm actually super great. Yeah, I'm excited to see how these players not only adapt to the settings, but how they adapt to each other in these divisions. 
Okay. Uh, so how can uh, people get involved just like with race monitors, helping with race streams, uh, et cetera, with the uh, league? Uh, so we put out an announcement the other day asking for more people to help with volunteering. We've got a form for that at the moment. Again, kind of a temporary solution up until the website is uh, up and running, hopefully next season. But for now, we'll periodically check that. If it's been a while, just message one of the league organization people, um, me, Shawnee, Riley, FQ, Kirox, or Zeph. Uh, Zeph, X-E-F, Zeph, not Zephyr. Um, <laughs> message one of us, we'll pass it on to the relevant people and get people the right roles they need. And yeah, it's basically just, if there are questions, contact us about it, post it in the league discussion, the scheduling channel, if it's something that's like, a problem with a submission or a form or whatever and uh in terms of restreams that isn't necessarily a league thing we the only restriction we've put on it is we want people to contact the runners first we don't want anybody just restreaming a race because they want to restream so contact the runners make sure they're okay with it and also let us know because we have a channel for coordinating with restreams and volunteers the race monitors for basically making sure that like people aren't competing for the restreams. We want this to benefit the community. We don't want it to be, you know, we don't want it to be like a personal gain at the expense of the community. So if people sign up for the restreams and there are multiple, we will pick one to assign it where we need to. We've not had to yet. But if you want to restream races, contact us. Just let us know, and I will happily pass over the resources that I've been using for my restreams because I want more people to pick this up. I want there to be more races. I want there to be more spotlight on the runners. I want there to be... I guess the other side of this is I want there to be more spotlight on the league. The better this does, the happier I'll be with it. Like, the more people oh, yeah, playing, I mean... the better. So get for more sure. restreams give us more spotlight give the runners more spotlight and give your own channel more spotlight it kind of it benefits everyone when it's done well and i'm happy to try and help it be done well to let that happen um and yeah i guess just as a final thought on that um or on everything here uh i've been kind of organizing this like am i good to do the like shameless plug yeah no go ahead <laughs> totally, that's totally fine um i've been kind of organizing this alongside a few other events and uh it's basically all i'm doing with my time at this point like that's basically my job at this point so um i have a patreon at yashikian um where i'm running this and other events and yeah, everything like the website and everything I'm just going to pay for. So like the more support I get there, the more likely I am to try and do things like this. So that's the other thing. And of course, I've had a ton of help. I cannot speak enough about the admin team behind this. Um, like from Kirox and Zeph joined very last minute. They were basically involved with the ladder and were willing to get involved and like we kind of brought them in as a connection to the French community and they can contact people from there and then like 
every time we've had meetings and every discussion we've had, they're so insightful. Like I their their knowledge of everything is almost unparalleled in this community. I just like their understanding of the communities. Um Riley has very much been our like competitive player perspective, and it has a really good concept of like what should be expected of each person and what they expect from us. So Riley's very good at kind of keeping everything in check. Um, FQ is like, <laughs> feels really bad to say, but I mean, it is a like really good thing. FQ at this point is almost like my honorary assistant in all of this. Every time I come up with a wild idea the, with like the league started off, like I mentioned earlier, the rules were written up in like a day or two. And like all I did was yell at FQ, like, hey, I want to do a thing. Come join me in a call. And next thing I know, we're going over everything, like fine detail, like hashing out every single detail in precise, like pinpoint precision. Um like basically if I if I've gone to FQ with a problem going, I want to do this, help me do it, he will do it. And it's incredible. And Shawnee in particular recently like Shawnee was very much brought in as like the people person we we me and FQ knew from the start we are not great at talking to people that might come as a surprise to people who know me from podcast and commentary and stuff I am terrible at talking to people um I'm either unbelievably blunt or don't want to be blunt and so I just avoid it FQ is unbelievably blunt Shawnee came in as the people person but oh my god has really like taken over the organization and the kind of handling of everything behind the scenes and like when it started off everything on the sheet that was up and running like all of the sheets i wrote in a couple of days shawnee has kept them running since like has made sure to go back and edit everything in and keep everything functioning and call people or like chase people up on things and um if there's something running in this league it's a fair shout that me shawnee and fq have had a say in it Kerox probably has, and then Riley and Zeph have been very integral in like every conversation that's been like focused around league organization. And this would not be here without you. You take out any one of those people, and we'd be struggling. Um, even with all six of us, we're struggling. But yeah, we're <laughs> getting by. <laughs> Okay, and that will do it for this week on the podcast. Uh, thanks again to Yoshi for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. And th also thanks to uh, Chimp uh, for uh, being our co-host here. Absolute pleasure. And again, thank you for Yoshi for joining us, going through uh, a ton of League information, which has been, again, super interesting, just hearing about how it's evolved and how it's being adapted to future seasons and stuff like that i'm really looking forward to actually just getting involved in season two as well uh, as a participant so yeah great work um not only to you but for the rest of the organizers in league and yeah just hopefully it continues to go well i look forward to the rest of it and also a special thanks out here to uh, ronan recordings and winnie demon uh, our editor and scriptwriter, uh, respectively who do a lot of work on the back ends uh, that not, might not be as apparent uh, to the listener but just know that they are as integral as a part of the podcast as Jeff and i and, and our guests so uh with that we'll see you all next time on the gossip stone podcast mm -hmm.